Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We've got a lot of college football to get to on a Monday morning. You're going to hear from the Utes and the Cougars and the Aggies. Uh, but obviously we have to start with the news about Aaron Lowe, and we'll have more on this uh, coming up later this morning. But for the second time in nine months, almost nine months to the day, not quite, not by one day, but almost nine months to the day, a Ute player has been shot and killed. Just horrific. He was only 21 years old. Uh, you know, what happened with Ty Jordan on Christmas was obviously horrible. The irony that these guys are both from Mesquite, Texas, and they knew each other. And when Ty Jordan decommitted from Texas, uh, you know, Aaron Lowe helped uh, helped get him to Utah. And that after Ty died and they did the Memorial Scholarship, the team wanted the scholarship to go to Aaron first. And he wanted to make sure Ty's legacy went on. And now we end up here and the team's going to go to another funeral. I mean, it's just horrific it is just horrific and you know for the guys to be going through the second time you could see it in all the tweets they sent out you know just the the grief the shock the sadness just everything and just a double dose of it it's just awful it was um you know there's a lot of rivalries and there's a lot of jealousies behind behind closed doors in sports it doesn't matter what sport high school college pro um but there were a lot of tweets from Utah State and BYU, both official team accounts, and from Tom Homo and Kalani Sataki individually, and from around the conference. I saw Arizona State and Washington and UCLA, Oregon's coach, Mario Cristobal. Even more I probably didn't see. And it's just this is a lot for any team to go through once, and they're going through it twice. They lost another teammate. It's horrific for Lowe's family. Don't know the name of the other person who was shot, who's in critical condition. It's horrible for them. And we can go on for a, a long list of people um, who have just been incredibly negatively impacted by this. I know some of you don't want to hear any more about this, and I'm about to you know, end this. Um, and some of you do want to know more and would like to hear from the youths. It's a bye week. They're not going to be talking today. They may not have been talking anyway, but once this happened, it was an easy decision. I'd have to go back on all the bye weeks. I think Kyle has talked sometimes, but not others. Um, but they're going to need some time here. I mean, this is just just unbelievably bad. Um, it makes everything about the game seem really unimportant. We all watched the game. We all had our notes and our talking points. And now, eh, I mean, they beat Washington State. They were, they were good enough in the last five minutes. I, I think the program was carried because of its success. And Washington State hasn't had any in the last two-plus seasons. You know, they've only got a handful of guys who know how to win, expect to win, and the Utes have more than that. And so, despite the seven fumbles, three of which they lost, four of which they recovered, another fumble that I thought was a fumble, but they decided the call on the field stood. They didn't have enough replay evidence on the Farthingham fumble. And they had other guys lose the ball who were ruled down, which I think were correct calls, but and they just could not hold on to the ball. And that, now, I think it obscured several things, though. I think the O-line played better. I don't think they played great. They still had some running plays, you know, wrecked in the backfield. Um, but they also opened some holes for some big plays, and they were able to move the ball. Now they get to the red zone, and something crazy, weird, and awful would happen, and they'd lose the ball. But they did move it. And, man, Kyle, you can see he's just the point now where he's just picking it. Hey, next running back up, who can carry the ball? And how about how about Curry saying the one thing I've learned in college is you got to stay ready. You never know. It's true. 
It's a lesson that needs to pass through this team. Every team needs to share that lesson. And we certainly saw it with BYU. My gosh, did they have enough guys go off injured? couple guys early in the game, shots of them going up the ramp. Mason Wake was one of them. And then three more guys early in the fourth quarter. Trainers coming out for them. I lost track. There may have been more. Uh, Kalani did say that none of them were season-ending. Um, whether guys will be ready for Utah State, probably too early to know now uh, on all of them. Maybe a couple of them. They know they're a couple weeks or something. But uh, that was a lot of injuries. you got to stay ready. You never know when your time is going to come. And it doesn't matter if you're high school, college, or pro. you you got to be ready. Football's uh, there are going to be a lot of injuries. It's a really physical game. All right, let's leave it right there. Let's hear from uh, Kyle Whittingham. This is after the game, um, and obviously before everything happened with Aaron Lowe. But here's Kyle Whittingham's thoughts at the podium after the youths pick up the win over Washington State. They're one and zero. We heard forever they were zero and zero. Now they're one and zero with two weeks to get ready for USC, who got blown out at home by Oregon State. Four turnovers. Lost 42-27. SC's got problems as they go to Colorado. The Utes head for a bye week. Here's Kyle Whittingham's thoughts on the win over Washington State. All right, first of all, credit our guys for playing the full 60 minutes. That's pretty much what it took. Uh, we had talked about that all week is, is uh, fighting for 60 and, and understanding it may take the full 60, which it pretty much did uh, this afternoon. Um, squandered a lot of opportunities for sure. I mean, we had... Uh, fumbles, red zone scoring chances that we didn't capitalize on. So there's a lot of things that that uh, we continue to need to work on, and we will. We'll keep addressing it. Um, I thought the defense played outstanding. Um, you know, you look at the numbers and and uh, really good uh, defensively, 318 yards. That's, that's not a lot of yards in this day and age of football. That's... Uh, Back, we'll probably lead the Pac-12 if we could do that every week. So, nice job by the defense. Uh, great pick by Devin Lloyd. That was an outstanding individual play by Devin. Uh, we got after the quarterback, which is which is a plus. We hadn't done a, a lot of that this year, and uh, we really did a nice job. Uh, I see seven, eight sacks here. So that that's a, a whole complete turnaround from what we have been doing in the first three, and that needed to happen. And so the havoc plays on defense, sacks, takeaways were up, and when that when that number's up. We're we usually had a pretty good outing. That's an indicator of that. So, uh, got some things to continue to figure out on offense. Um, we did some good things, but we got to be a little more consistent, obviously, and obviously take a lot better care of the football. That was the number one issue, uh, without a doubt, uh, this afternoon. So, uh, Covey gave us a little bit more in the punt return game tonight. Didn't or this afternoon didn't have a, a huge one, but uh, got us some good uh, chunks of yardage there. Um, I thought the O-line, we'll have to watch the film to, to make sure, but the O-line appeared to take a step forward. Uh, Bam came in and did a nice job at left tackle, and that was a, that was good to see. He came in and spelled uh, Jaron Kump there at the left tackle spot. And so, uh, you know, Cam, for his first complete game as a as a Division One player, uh, you know, was, was did some good things, but I know he left a lot out there, too, that he wants to get, uh, get taken care of and get, get better at. So, questions? What did you guys do on defense to allow you to get to the quarterback? You know, eight sacks, lots of pressure. Yeah, we dialed up the, the dose of pressure more than the, the first three games, and so there was more blitz. Uh, not a ton more, but but definitely more. Um, just had some really good performances. Uh, Junior Tafuna, who I was talking about earlier last week, what what a pleasant surprise he's been. Really uh, played well tonight or this afternoon. Uh, Mika Tafua got a sack. Van Fillinger got his first collegiate sack. So it was not a whole lot of... Uh, magic stuff. It was just a little higher dose of pressure and, and a better job by our front uh, getting home. What do you 
where do you go with the running back spot now? Just giving so many guys yeah. up with the ball on the deck. That's uh, that's something we got an answer to, to have an answer for. Fortunately, we got a bye week next week to get some of this stuff sorted out. Um, and that's a, that's a great question because right now Makai had to leave the game with an injury, and and uh, we've got to figure out what the what the uh, pecking order and what the you know what that position group is, is needs to look like and is going to look like. Shoulder, upper body. Upper body, yeah, yeah. What can you say about Fletcher the way he did come in? I think it was all in the second half, yeah. 17 yards. And, uh, Yep, TJ came in and, and really did a nice job. You're right. I mean, the long of 60 really was the big one, but uh, he was very consistent. Uh, I thought Jaquin and Jackson gave us some good things until we, you know, put the ball on the ground in the end zone uh, or in the in the red zone. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had some carries by Chris Curry as well. He gave us a, a couple of carries, but but overall, we've got a really kind of hone in on that running game and find out uh, who's going to get the be the primary ball carrier and get the, the uh, carries. We'd like uh, Tavion Thomas to be involved, but again, he put the ball on the ground. It was uh, after the play had been blown dead, but you got to secure the football. I mean, that's the bottom line. You mentioned the missed opportunities. What was the feeling like when Fletcher finally scored that touchdown put you guys up? Yeah, relief. I mean, it was like, yeah, okay, that's how we're supposed to do it. And then we also missed a short field goal that should have been a, a, a gimme chip shot. And so we, we left a lot out there. Credit Washington State for playing hard. They were, they were scrappy, played the whole whole four quarters as well. And, and uh, But, uh, you know, we've just got, we got a lot to work on. Kind of the same song and dance you've heard for the last three weeks. We're just going to continue to get better and, and uh be uh, you know be, become who we need to become offensively because right now we're just still a work in progress on that side of the ball. You made a switch at um, PAT with noise. I mean, is, yeah. that, is that going to be a consistent thing where he's now taking over? Good question. We'll see. You know, Jaden. Uh, when you look at the fall camp, he clearly beat uh, Jordan out. But Jordan has been coming on. Uh, Jaden's missed a few kicks this year, a couple PATs, uh, three field goals now, I think. And so it's all about what you've done lately. And, and uh, we'll have uh, competition these next two weeks and determine who the uh, kicker's going to be. I thought Jordan did an excellent job with his kickoffs tonight, uh, this afternoon. That was a big plus. No kickoff returns because he put them all uh, out of the back of the end zone. Was Jaquindon not ready to make an impact until today? Or was there something out there that you saw that you know, that he fit there today. Well, we we just felt we needed some more ways to to run the football. And, uh, you know, the Q run game is is obviously, you know, when you do the math, you get the extra hat in the box and it negates, uh, you know, what the defense can put in the box. And so it gives you better numbers. And and, uh, you don't want to run, you know, Cam to death. And so that was a way to supplement quarterback runs with uh, another player, a wildcat, if you will, I guess is what you could call him. I want to ask you about Reed. Kind of came in there today and played great for you guys, leading you in tackles and yeah. really stepped it up. Karani played very well. It was his first uh, opportunity to play collegiate ball. We were down three defensive starters with Vianney, uh, JT, and, and Nephi Sewell, and I thought all their replacements came in and picked up the slack and did a nice job, and Karani in particular. Yeah. You were open as far as Washington State has pretty much opened the build in the first half. What, what changed in the defense that allowed you guys to kind of lock in and do we just got better in the back end. Got started relating to coverage better with the linebackers. You know, we weren't relating to the in the zone coverages uh, as well as we needed to, and you know, getting disoriented a little bit and, and losing track of the routes. And and we did a better job of that in the second half. Plus, the, the dose of pressure got better. You know, we were, the quarterback was never seemed to be able to get comfortable back there because we were continually uh, in his face. We coach it every day uh, without fail, and uh, 
we're going to continue to coach it every day, and, and we just got to keep harping on it until we get the results we need. And it's, uh, you know, if you start talking about it too much, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you just, it, it becomes a, a distraction. And so we just got to go back to work, uh, fundamentally carry the football like we've taught to do, and uh, we should be okay. Clark, Clark Phillips had another pick six yeah. straight time against Wazoo. What does that say about his play? Yeah, Clark uh, is a dynamic playmaker, and he's uh, he's got uh, a ton of ability. He's only got, uh, what, seven, eight collegiate games under his belt. He's playing like a seasoned vet, and uh, he it was a nice catch and a great return. I mean, he was uh, he showed some real moves in the open field and an ability to, uh, to uh, return the football. Given the chaotic nature of the week with Charlie and, and then the way this game played out, is this a good time maybe for a bye week to just take a breath? And it's a great time for a bye week. Couldn't be at a better time. You couldn't script anything better than right now having a bye week. And so that is uh, very welcome. And uh, we need uh, all the time we can get to regroup and, and figure some things out, like I said, and get some guys healed up. We also lost three safeties in the game today. We lost Vontae Davis. We lost... Brandon McKinney, and we lost Cole Bishop. And so we were down. We didn't have any more of the two that were in the game with the last two we had. And so if we had lost another one, uh, Scally would have had to gone out there. Play, so. Does any of that appear to be long? We'll find out. We, we hope not, but we'll find out. How important was this win for you guys, you know, after the tough non-conference two losses in a row? And, the, you know, you preached this week about just refocusing on Pac-12 play. Right, huge. It was a huge win for our program, huge win for our players because they've been working hard every week. And it's great to see them get some uh, results for and, uh, as a product of their hard work. And, and, the, and the way that the, they approached this past week, their, their attitude, their mentality, their work ethic was as good as it's ever been. And, to, you know, to see them gain that, uh, get the victory and, and show the, you know, the, the proof of the, of the work, that was great. Coach, you mentioned how big the five is coming up for you guys. What does it do for you guys when you have an extra week to prepare for a big game into a team? Well, first of all, it allows you to get some guys healthy, get some guys rested. This comes at a, a perfect time, as I mentioned, for a lot of reasons. But you also, when you look at fall camp and then four games, and we got eight games left, this is almost right in the exact middle of that uh, entire process. And so it's going to be great to give our guys a break and uh, let them heal up and get their legs back underneath them and, and uh, again, figure out some things that we got to figure out in some position groups. So it's, uh, it's going to have a ton of benefit for us. Was the timing of today's game? Weird. No, it was great. No, love earlier the better. That's that's always my attitude. There's, there's, uh, we play at 7 a.m. Literally, I mean, if you said we play at 7 a.m., we would. And so, uh, love day games. I know sometimes you know for the fans it's not as uh, convenient, and we're sensitive to that. But bottom line is we have no control over it, so you just play them as they unfold. All right, there is Kyle Whittingham after the win over Washington State. When we come back, you'll hear from Utah State. The Aggies going down to defeat at home against Boise State. We'll get to that next. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies welcome in BYU to Maverick Stadium for another chapter in their long rivalry with the Cougars. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action, beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6 on 1280 AM, with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, Utah State. Man, averaging 41 points a game, making big plays. Couldn't make big plays. Couldn't get the ball in the end zone. I thought the defense played well. 27-3 loss, and the defense clearly was responsible for 10 of them. The special teams for 7 with the fake punt. But the defense was pretty good. The offense was responsible for 10 of them with the turnovers. Uh, here's the head coach, Blake Anderson, after the game. Coach, not very often do you have uh, 20 more yards of total offense in a team, but end up losing... Uh, losing a game like that. Uh, talk us through some of the, and especially in the first half, some of the mistakes that, that uh, unable to capitalize on points and drives of getting, getting inside, the, uh, inside the 50. Yeah, just, um, and just never could really, really maintain the rhythm that we create. We'd, we'd make a couple big plays, get some energy going, and false start, uh, busted protection, tip ball up in the air, you name it. We, we kind of, we were, um, just kind of bucket of errors today, just just a little off, and and every time it seemed like we'd get a little momentum where I felt like we could get something going, we would uh, we'd find a way to derail it, and we had more of those kind of execution mistakes today offensively probably than we've had combined in the first three weeks. We executed way better defensively than we have uh, at times in the last couple of weeks and kept us in it, but we just couldn't pay it off offensively. You know, we should have at least got field goals. We didn't do a good job there protectionally, and then a bad kick. Uh, it was a frustrating game, frustrating great game to play hard and, and have the energy and effort that we need to be competitive. And I, I don't think at any point did we ever look like we weren't competing well, but we definitely did not execute well. And energy and effort alone, you know, it just won't get it done. You've got to have detailed execution, and we didn't get that today. Yeah, I thought physically you, you matched up just fine. I, I'm curious, though, starting in the second quarter, you had you had a lot of success, Coach, and throwing over the middle of the field. It looked like they moved to a little bit more of a cover two in that second quarter. Is that what you saw as well? And they tried to say, we're not going to let DT and, and, and Brandon Bowling beat us over the middle. Well, at times, you know, they bounced back and forth. Uh, you know, we knew they would, they would kind of bounce between those two coverages. I don't know that at any point we were really, really surprised about what we were seeing defensively. Uh, we did have success, obviously, at times at pushing the ball through the middle of the field. Um, we, we just couldn't we just couldn't have it consistently enough. They bottled up the run game at times, although the, we had a few big ones. And obviously, Calvin went for over 120 yards. But but it, you know they also forced some very frustrating short drives, gave the ball right back to them, and and, and just we didn't pay off what little momentum the defense was able to create for us. So. You know, one for four in the score in the in the red zone is is a great indicator. They were five for five, we were one for, for uh, four. You're, you're not going to win many games, especially against a really good football team. I mean, we knew their record was not an indication of what we were playing. They were the best physically built team that we've played this season, including Washington State. And when you don't execute well, you're going to get exposed. And and you saw that in areas tonight, really, especially in offense and special teams, but even at times. You know, defensively, we struggled to uh, to get them off the field when we needed to. Talk us through the uh, the the, uh, the fake punt call in the uh, in the second quarter and what you saw and and uh, and the execution of that. Well, we didn't execute it well at all. It's a calculated risk. You know, it's one I'd love to have back at this point, but you know, based off how they were defending us in the first half, overloading uh, our our punt team and, and and really being aggressive, it it was a calculated risk. We did not execute it well at all chances of it succeeding you know based off of uh you know that situation still there's a risk involved but we just hadn't been able to get anything going 
at that point. And so you're gambling a little bit to try to create a momentum play. We've had similar fakes at the same area of the field in previous years and, and come away successful and sparked our football team mm. and actually won games. And today just we did not we did not execute it well. So um, that was on me. You know, that's a calculated risk that, that goes all on me. And, and, and I knew that when I called it. There was a chance it might not. Really just wanting the, the defense to, to force them to kick a field goal. Uh, if they can get that done, to me, that's that's a win, and it's worth the risk in that particular environment. So, Coach, I, I'm curious. The, uh, at one point you were 5 of 7 on third down conversions, and in the second half, second quarter on, a lot of second and long situations where you, you end up running the football on those second and long scenarios. Is that dictated really by how they were playing kind of more three on two on the outside? So that, that dictates to you we got to run the football? Yeah, I mean it's an empty box. They're they're doubling at different areas outside. There's you know really a, a very light light box. At times we popped big runs, but we didn't do it consistently enough in those situations, especially in the second half when we had to have it. I mean we when they empty the box and they're going to double and, and cover down and try to try to help their guys in the back end. We've got to pay it off by running the ball better and staying ahead of the chains. And way too many long yard situations, as you mentioned, way too many. Uh, you know, difficult third down situations today. We we've got to stay be more efficient on early downs. Uh, and that probably led to. I mean, you started the game five of seven on third down, and then one of ten on your next t- ten third down attempts. And I, I got to imagine that's you know to your point in uh, getting behind the chains and, and having third and long more often than not. Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, you know, we had some protectional issues. We 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 dropped a ball here or there. They did a great job in adjusting and playing some coverages. And you're right, we, were, we weren't efficient enough on early downs, and so we are in long-yarded situations, which definitely plays into their favor. So a lot of issues. Uh, the worst execution we've had all season offensively, obviously. And, and you can see, obviously, I mean, the score, you know, it, it indicates that clearly. Coach, how, how healthy or not was Logan Bonner coming into this game? I mean, he wasn't 100%, but he was healthy enough to play. Uh, he was able to put power on the ball. He's not a great runner. We know that. He's an efficient runner, but, you know, it, didn't, it, it did uh, probably limit him a little bit being able to be as mobile as he needed to be. Uh, but he had, had the ability to put power on the ball. At times, he threw it really, really well. Uh, there, you know, there's some other ones that got away from him. I'm sure he'd like to have back, but his injury was not, uh, was not a factor today. What's the message to the guys in the locker room after a game like that? You know, get your head up. Let's go learn. Let's let's be coachable. Let's fix the problems. A lot of them self-inflicted. You got to give Boise credit. They did all the things they need to do to win today. But, but we made a lot of mistakes, and, and we we really didn't give ourselves a great chance to compete the way we want to. Uh, so you know, let's come back to work tomorrow and let's start uh, figuring out how we can fix it. And let's play better ball this next week. Nothing changes. Process doesn't change. The approach doesn't change. We just got to uh, we got to improve. From, from your vantage point, Coach, I mean, from up here, it looked like certainly match up physically just fine. Uh, you know, no problems there. Uh, did you see the same thing? Because in, in years past, you know, Boise State has probably been much more physical, much more uh, athletic than, than our, our squad, and, and it didn't seem that way tonight. Yeah, that's the frustrating part. Uh, you don't leave the field thinking, man, we just got manhandled. You leave the field thinking that we just made too many mistakes to give ourselves a chance to compete, and that's the frustrating part. If if you go out and you play great ball and you get beat by a superior, physically superior team that played good, you can still, you know, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, man, we, we fought, but uh, just just beyond frustrated and disappointed that we made as many mistakes as we did uh, today and, and really never gave ourselves 
a, a great opportunity to be in the game the way we wanted to be. So, I, mean, I was really proud of the crowd. It's an amazing atmosphere. I hate that we didn't play well for them today. I hope they'll come back next Friday night. We're going to need them. Uh, it's, obviously, we know that's going to be a battle. And, but we'll play, we will play better. We will play better than we did today. Uh, and, 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 you know, the one thing about today is the guys continue to play hard. And, and as long as they'll keep playing hard and give us great effort and great attitudes, we'll, we'll improve on the, on the uh, execution and the techniques of what we're teaching. Yeah, I think that was what I was going to ask you, Coach. Uh, what did you see in the eyes of these guys as you challenged them at the end of the game and saying, hey, all right, okay, let's see how we respond now. We've been able to come back from double-digit deficits and, and win games. Now we weren't able to quite get that done here. What was the look in the eye of these, these kids as you looked at them in the locker room? You know, they're disappointed, uh, and they should be, but but very, you know, a lot of positive. Man, hey, guys, keep your head up. Hey, nothing changes. Let's go to work. They're, they're really saying the same things I'm saying. They're just – they're just saying it to each other. Uh, you know, guys are disappointed, but but also uh, very, very positive. And, 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 you know, just some of them, hey, coach, we got it. We'll pick it up. We'll get better. You know, I, I was very pleased with how they responded. Nobody likes to lose. You definitely don't, don't want to lose when you play poorly. But uh, you've got to respond the right way, and that's be coachable, uh, be, you know, really detail the, the mistakes and, and try to improve immediately. And, and I thought – the, the attitudes and the body language and, and just uh, the approach in the locker room with our guys uh, gives us a chance to do that. Now we just gotta we just gotta you know go through the process. Coach, appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks, guys. There's head coach Blake Anderson. When we come back, we'll hear from the Cougars. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. Kalani Sataki and BYU take their undefeated record to Logan for a showdown against the Aggies. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with a Cougar preview show. Friday at 6 on 97.5 FM with the post-game show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Baylor Romney throws for 305 yards and three scores. Here he is after BYU beat South Florida. Start by assessing your game, Baylor. How'd you, how'd you feel like you did out there? Uh, yeah, it definitely came out real fast. Had a couple of big plays, really carried some momentum for us. And, I mean, it's easy to do when you got guys uh, like we do up front and the backs that we do. The run game got started really early for us. Um, overall, pretty solid day on offense, but obviously we got some things to work on, uh, especially in the red zone, getting into fourth and goal a couple of times there and having that four and out on that drive. But um, pretty good day overall. How much fun is it to throw a deep ball to your brother and have it go for a touchdown? I mean, that, that, that's got to be a classic. You guys just got to dream about that, right? Yeah, it's all right, I guess. <laughs> Sean and then Mitch. Understated answer of the century, Baylor, and I appreciate it so much. Uh, when did you it, – it's obviously really, really tough to uh, – to kind of be ready to come in and not necessarily be the starter, like in the first three games. But when did you know that you were going to get the start this week? And did you kind of have any, any sense, I guess, in practice leading up to it with whether or not, you know, Jaron was a hundred percent and that kind of a thing, or did you kind of find out pretty, pretty late in the uh, calendar week? Um, early on Monday, I started taking reps at the one. I didn't really know for sure or not what Jaron's status was going to be until, 
uh, really Wednesday. But, uh, I mean, starting on Monday, I was practicing as if I was going to start this game. Taylor, do you feel like your or your opportunity to be in this uh, first team, you know, first team unit right now? Does it give you? Does it feel like it give you a chance to uh, compete for the job permanently uh, going forward? Uh, I mean, that's a coach's decision. I don't think anyone should ever lose a job due to injury. But again, that's in the coach's hands. Okay, and then Jared. Yeah, uh, Gunner, uh, was the script all along to come out just slinging the ball downfield like you did so so effectively? I mean, that's always a game plan. Run the ball, throw the ball deep, and it you know worked out for us tonight. Taylor, talk about the way the game started. To be able to score four touchdowns on four of the first five possessions and have a twenty-eight to six lead at halftime. That that. I imagine you're pleased with how the offense was able to do. Yeah, I mean, our goal when we touch the ball is to score touchdowns every single possession, and that happened in the first half. And, you know, things slowed down a bit in, in the second half for us. We didn't get very many possessions and didn't take advantage of, uh, I mean, that one opportunity in the red zone to score another touchdown. Um, but, again, overall, pretty good night on offense. That kind of touched about the other thing I wanted to ask. How tough is it? The offense is going well. And the other team just, you know, grinds out these long drives and you have to sit on the sidelines and kind of wait for your opportunity. I know you support the defense, but but just waiting to try and keep that momentum going offensively. How hard is that? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily hard to keep the momentum. It's um, it's obviously hard when you don't get as many possessions like we did in the second half. But just being supportive of our defense. I mean, they've had our backs for the first three games and tonight we were able to have their backs in a sense. Um, but yeah, just, you know, staying warm on the sidelines as, as best you can and getting ready to go score out the next drive. There's BYU quarterback Baylor Romney. Now here's Puka Nakua, who went for over 100 yards receiving. What was uh, what was it like being part of that start of that game? Because you guys made some big plays, the, you know, scoring touchdowns on four of the first five drives. That had to be pretty fun as, as part of the offense. No, yeah, super fun. That's that's been our objective since week one to just come out and start strong, and we were able to piece it together and put together. We had, I mean, made simple adjustments to our game plan. I think we put a little bit more pressure on our receivers, and uh, I mean, we've been stepping up. But today was definitely a heyday for us. So it was super fun to get out there and sling it around a little bit and make some plays to the air. You had a chance there in the end zone there in the what the fourth quarter, a little bit behind you, and I thought you might make that one hander. Is that one you think of and be like, man, I wish I'd gotten it. Or does it just move on to the next play? No, that's de- – I mean, you never want to leave any out there. So, I definitely – I mean, it really did kind of – I had – you know, it made the stick noise as soon as it hit my club. So, I thought I had it. But I, I don't think uh, I've ever had a ball kind of take me off my feet like that. I'm going to have to watch it on tape. But, man, Baylor put some heat on that. So, next time we'll, we'll work it and uh, we'll get the timing and stuff down. But, no, I definitely should have came down with it. <laughs> it would have made a huge difference in that fourth quarter of switching them. But, I mean – we can't, we, we trust our defense and we left them in some situations where it wasn't the best and leaving them out there on the field for a long time. So we got to execute on our side of the, on our side of the ball and make sure we keep them well rested and ready to go. But we, we love those guys. I mean, they, they held it out for us and kept us going. And, and then Mitch. 
Uh, Puka, uh, four receptions, 102 yards, uh, really nice performance from you. Uh, obviously, you were connecting with, with Baylor well. Tell us a little bit about your chemistry with Baylor over the last week. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, Baylor's always taking the reps behind Jared and stuff, so we knew – or. Uh, I mean, coming into the new team and stuff, everybody's always talking about how confident they are in Baylor. And uh, I was able to be a first-hand witness of that tonight. And our connection felt great. We'd worked, uh, we'd worked these routes during practice this week, and it was only perfect. I mean, in, in the, the, look, the stutter look that I got, I mean, I put my head down and kept running, and the ball, I looked up, and the ball fell right into my lap. So there's definitely a connection there. And he was slinging it around to everybody. I'm looking here. Uh, we, we sling the ball around to a lot of our guys, and, Gunner, obviously, the brother connection, you, you never get tired of that. So that was fun to see. And then uh, it was just fun to be out there to make for us receivers and tight ends to get more involved in the passing game to see it finally connect. And we're still not there. We know we're not hitting on all cylinders, but we're definitely making progress. That's for sure. And and one last thing, too, it typically takes two, three, sometimes four defenders to bring you down. Like, what's your mentality when you get the ball and there's that contact there? And how do you drive through? Uh, I love the contact. I guess, I mean, <laughs> you guys know I've grown up with brothers. So I, I guess me being the youngest one, I always got hit and beat on. So I had to learn how to take the punches and run with them and keep going. So I, when they try to hit me, I mean, uh, I'm a big receiver, 6'2", I have 200 plus pounds. So, I mean, if you're going to hit me, I'm going to make sure you feel it too. So. <laughs> okay, for you personally, do you feel like this was a, a breakout performance for you in your BYU career that you can start to build off of now? Um. Kind of. I think it was especially, uh, yeah, definitely a breakout game. I think this, I mean, I'm not exactly sure, but I believe this is the first time I've broken 100 yards in my career. And it was so fun to do it in, the whole, in our home crowd. So it was super fun. But I'm still, I think we're, we're, we're right on the bridge of going off in the past game. So I'm excited. It was, uh, it was fun. I left some out there last week. So it was fun to come back and uh, kind of re-up. So it was, it was definitely fun. <laughs> When do you feel like you're you're at your best as a receiver? Like what what attributes do you feel like you you can provide to this offense on a week in week out basis as you get more targets? Um, I pride myself in being able to run all routes, being a little bit of a big receiver. So I know, I mean, the last week I'm still thinking about the Arizona State. I mean, early in the game we hit me on a comeback, and I did I wasn't able to get out of my break, and then we threw a deep ball, and so it was it was a huge a huge relief when we connected on that, that deep ball on our sideline. So it was kind of to get the little jitters out and kind of just like you said, the start of a uh, kind of my run and hopefully being more consistent and uh, ready for a bigger role to keep, keep pushing out. I'm excited. We're, we're, we're not hitting it yet, but it's fun for us to score touchdowns out in the receiver group for sure. Sean. Puka, how frustrating is it when uh, the other team's playing possession ball the way they did? I mean, really well, credit to USF, 35 minutes of possession, I think it was, but you guys only got out there for three possessions in the second half. Does that, I mean, were you getting itchy or antsy going? Because I know, I know you just want to go out and do your thing. So just how frustrating is that on the sideline, I guess? Um. It's not too frustrating. I mean, we trust our defense a lot and we see them every day. So knowing that we were down a couple of guys, it was, it was exciting to see other guys step up and make plays. And then I think it was a learning opportunity for our defense. I mean, they've held a lot of good teams to under 20 points. So for them to kind of see what it was like against a different team and get uh, a lot of different looks from USF. Uh, I was excited to see our defense. I think they, they played really well and then they, they got a lot of things they can work on too. But I mean, that's why we play football as we'll come in tomorrow and figure it out and get ready to go again next week. Ben, go ahead. Okay. This is about uh, a couple of games 
prior Utah game. Can you take us through the, the celebration with your brother, the emotion, what it meant to you and Samson at that time versus Utah? We haven't been able to talk to you about it. So um, I'm sure you knew what the play was. And you kind of knew it could happen. But take us through your thoughts, your emotions, and what it meant to you and your uh, family. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, as soon as I seen the play go in and, uh, Samson was out there, it's just, it was just a matter of time. <laughs> I think I was somewhere on the 25 or 30 yard line. And as soon as I see him break out for his whip route, I mean, I was in a full sprint to the end zone and he came down with it. I, I don't think I've ever had like such tunnel vision before in my life. I, from the sideline to where I hit Samson, I, I didn't see anybody else besides number 45. And <laughs> After uh, everybody was showing me a clip of Mason Wake trying to jump on, <laughs> jump on Samson, everybody celebrating. I come and undercut him, but yeah, I was so locked in. It was just so exciting for him. I mean, obviously my brother, but uh, how it was for him to be able to score against his former team and just the uh, the roar of the crowd that game and just the excitement of being in a Utah game. It was just everything added up to the pinnacle, and it was it was so fun to be a part of. <laughs> I think I broke, I've, I may have hurt Samson because I punched him really hard, but as a little brother, he deserved it. <laughs> There's Puka Nakua. Now here's the head coach, Kalani Sataki, who loves the offense, but he's got a few things to say about the defense. Kalani, what do you take away from that game? Because the offense played really well. The defense maybe struggled more than we've seen. So how do you kind of balance what you take away from that contest? Well, I think, I think it's pretty evident that the defense needs to do a better job getting off the field and, uh, Definitely disappointed in the second half defense. Um, I felt like our offense was clicking and we're moving the ball and, and you know doing some really good things. But uh, USF, you have to give them credit; they, they took the, the ball away from us and didn't give it. You know, they, they basically—I don't know what the time possession was, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they they uh, held the ball pretty. I mean, I don't know how many possessions did we have in the second half before. Uh, we had maybe three or four possessions in the, in the second half um, for our offense, which is not good, you know. So you find ways to get off the field. Um, and I, I do a better job to get our guys ready. So, uh, you know, felt the offense came to play and defense uh, for the first half looked pretty good and just had to find ways to make plays in, in, in the second half. And give a lot of credit to South Florida. I thought they did some really good things at the quarterback. I can't believe he's a young freshman, but. And he, he can escape and run. Uh, felt like we couldn't keep him contained, and he was he was really athletic. You know, we uh, he escaped a bunch of a bunch of possible sacks, and so we had to give them a lot of credit. Uh, they made some plays, and, and uh, we didn't we didn't make enough on defense in the second half, especially that that would make me really happy. So, offensively, I thought we were good. Def- uh, special special teams. Obviously, he had a field goal blocked. I don't know if it was a low kick. Seemed like that to me. But um, got to find a way to, to make those more automatic and, and get points on the board. So, uh, disappointed, but thankful we got the win. Told our guys that uh, no long faces in the locker room. You know, we, we want to play our best. Uh, I don't think we played our best as, as a complete team, but I think there's some really promising things considering, you know, with our backup quarterback. Um, some really good things that we saw on the field. So um, I think it's kind of tail of two sides and, and then special teams-wise we have to see more on the field. But, uh, didn't really have much opportunity for more punt returns or um, anything with kick returns because kick, the ball's kicked in the end zone pretty much every time. I also wanted to ask about that injury status. It seemed like there were a lot of guys dinged up both coming into the game and then also a lot of guys going out during the game. How did 
how, how did you see that? How are, what, what's the status there as far as health goes? Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of guys that are banged up. So I, I don't, um, n- nobody gone for the year. So that we know of right now, we'll still, I mean, it's, it's, the guys are hurt and, and banged up and not a hundred percent, but I think they'll be, they'll be okay. And so there may be some questionable guys come for this next, uh, game next Friday. We'll have to wait and see. We'll probably give you more information on Monday. Um, the guys that did not play tonight, I, I believe there's a Tyler Batty and, um, nice. Amahe didn't play They they, Felt like they could have gone, but um, we're not going to play guys if they can't practice. We didn't feel like they had enough practice time. And so, you know, that would have been helpful to have those two guys in, in a, a D line. But um, it was good for opportunity for those other guys to learn and, and some younger guys to get more reps. But um, almost almost gave it away, you know. So um, I'm trying to think. Jaron obviously is uh, – we thought he would be ready to go. And, and from the um, advice of, of our – uh, medical staff, they decided that it was probably best for him to hold him out. And I think if you asked him, he was ready. He was, he wanted to go, but we have to be smart. We have to save our guys from themselves even, and then make the right move. And we felt good about Baylor entering this game. Um, I think some other guys got banged up and went out and never came back. I, I'm trying to think of who uh, Harris Chance got banged up, but um, we feel like he, we'll see what happens. We think he could come back. Uh, for next week. Um, who else? Mason Wake went out, and I think the same thing. We, we think he can come. We can get him back. Um, anybody? Caleb Christensen. Uh, we'll see how, how, how that looks uh, tomorrow, but we're hopeful. And um, But nobody is – nobody's counted out yet for, for next week of the guys that they went out. And then uh, we're pretty sure we can get – uh, Batty and Nice are back, and then we have to wait and see what happens with with Jaron. But we're 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 feeling pretty good about him getting being back as well. Mitch and then Dick. Lonnie, you mentioned that uh, Batty and Nice didn't practice much this week. Did, was Jaron able to practice at all leading up to tonight? Not effectively, not not enough for for us to feel good about it. I mean, we every day seemed like he was getting better and better, but um, just wasn't enough. For, and, and then at the same time, Baylor was practicing really well, and so uh, we felt the, we felt like going into this game maybe Baylor would be the starter, would be the right move, and then have Jaron as a backup. But um, I think having Jaron as a backup was probably a little too tempting to might to use him a little bit, and so I, I think we did the right thing by being safe and 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 cautious, uh, just watching out for him. And so that, I think that's what we end up doing. We we ended up shifting it out and just not even dressing him, just to to stay away from the temptation of putting him on the field before he's ready. Before you get into the film study this weekend, what what are your initial reaction as far as a positive that came out of this game, in your opinion? Yeah, we found a way to grind it out and win the game. I mean, I, I thought um, wins are really hard in college football. And so, although we're disappointed, I'm disappointed in some of the things that happened tonight. I think we have to be thankful that we were able to get the win. And you have to give credit to South Florida for some of the things that they did. They saw an opportunity to play uh, here, and, and they showed up. And I, th- I thought um, Jeff Scott did a great job getting his team ready. They, they were excited to play in front of our crowd. And, um, you know, they made a game of it. And so I, I had to give them a lot of credit. But I know we can play better. I know we can do a lot better, especially on defense. 
Uh, offensively, I, I was really pleased with a lot of things that we saw. We just got to find ways to, to score points and get in the end zone, not have to always rely on going for it on fourth down. So, I, I mean, things are fixed, but I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit impatient because I want to I want to be better right now. <laughs> Coach, this is the first game you've uh, missed. Keenan Peely, a big emotional leader for you. How do you think that the changes that you made in his absence worked? Um, what kind of things did you look like? What the kind of things did you not like? Well, we, we decided to put Chaz a little bit more up in the box and play him at linebacker. Um, we had Ben Bywater and Chaz and Max and Peyton kind of rotate a little bit um, up there trying to keep them all fresh, but <clears throat> hard, hard to replace Keenan and, and, and all the, all the experience that he has there. But uh, I thought our guys did pretty good. I, I really feel like uh, some of the issues that we had it, were just not getting out of drives and, and, and allowing um, um, McLean to just extend plays, you know, where we felt like we were closer. We couldn't contain him. So, um, we have to do a better job than that, but uh, because we're going against uh, two really athletic quarterbacks this next week, so that can't be <coughs> an excuse that uh, that uh, you know it's an athletic guy because there's athletic quarterbacks all over the place, and and uh, Utah State has a couple of them, so um, that's we just have to do a better job, and I have to do a better job of coaching, getting them, getting them in a better position to make tackles and trust their assignments and their technique. Just a follow-up coach. You said there were some long faces in the locker room. What, what was your point of interest when you, when you talked to them? What did you want to get across right after the game? Well, the, the, I, I want to remind them that winning's hard and uh, appreciate the, the game and respect the game by uh, celebrating. I also remind them that, the celebration has to be a little quicker because the game's coming up quick. We lose a day. And so uh, ask them to be smart and, and get their rest tonight, go to church tomorrow, and be ready to, to, to go to Logan next week, you know. So uh, the guys really expect expect a lot from themselves and they can be hard on themselves. And so I, sometimes it's okay that, that uh, they're really hard on themselves. They have this standard of, of uh, expectation and to perform, but I, I need to also let them know it's okay to, to make mistakes and it's okay to be uh, thankful that you were to grind out a win. And so uh, hopefully, you know, the, the long faces will turn into something more positive and will get us to, so we can focus on, on getting better and making sure that we play a complete game next week. Thank you, coach. Sam and then Jared. Coach, uh, you talked about having one fewer day this week to prepare, obviously, with the game on Friday. Uh, how does that change your your regular routine for this upcoming week? Um, we don't do anything on Sunday. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, do some treatment and stuff like that. But other than that, uh, we'll have to just – we just lose a day of prep. I mean, we, we feel good about our, our – our, uh, things that we can do as a team, feel good about our foundation on, on what we've done with install. Obviously, we have to look at, at, at the film in Utah State because we haven't seen a lot of it other than some of the things that we've seen them when they play games and stuff. They played earlier this morning, so a lot of our guys watch that game. Um, but other than that, we, we, there's not a lot that we know other than, than the stuff I, that we've seen in, in, on games and 
highlights and stuff like that. And they have a really good team. I think uh, Blake's doing a good job getting those guys ready. They, they seem to have a lot of uh, guys that, that new players that came in and fit right into what they want to get accomplished on, on the field. And so uh, a lot of respect to them and their fans. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a rivalry game for us. It's one that we, we've been very, uh, you know, we, we've been familiar with seeing them uh, year to year. So I'm looking forward to going up there and playing that game and, and, and hoping that, that we can show better than what we did tonight. We've talked a lot about the second half, but we got to talk about the first half because you built a 28 to six lead. The offense scored on four of five possessions. You know, the defense bent a couple of times, but only surrendered a couple of field goals. That was a pretty good start to the game. What, what'd you see there? Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, th- I think if you can score that many points that early, then, then you're going to be in a good, good spot. And so just really happy with, with what we saw from, from uh, you know all three phases, I thought they did a really good job. Um, we were able to get uh, force them into field goals, and and uh, we felt really good about where we're at. The uh, it just the second half was just it's just a kind of a dark cloud over the second the game because the second half just isn't our style of football that we're used to seeing from our defense. Um, and then and then we'd like to get the ball more to our offense, and so it's hard to score points when you don't have a lot of possessions and and. Um, but I was thankful that we got the win. I was thankful that our guys were able to to get out there and grind it out and, and figure out a way to, to, to get the win for us. There's Kalani Sataki. We'll have more in a moment. Stay with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to bring in Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Samson, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. How are you doing? Before I know we love to laugh and giggle and all that with you, but uh, we understand you lost your grandmother last week, and condolences to you on that. Uh, is the family doing all right? This was the whole point of the move to BYU, get all that family time possible, right? Yeah. Um, with all the preparation of uh, preparing for grandma leaving, I mean, I think it still be even help, honestly, but... Um, it's been good. Um, it's been nice. We were able to come back home, me and Puka, and uh, spend this little time with her. And uh, honestly, it was perfect. It, it it felt good just to be back here and uh, be by her side and uh, let her feel our love. All right. As far as football goes, how fun is it to be four and zero? Man, four and zero. It it really don't get better than that. <laughs> uh, well, I already said. Uh, Pack 12 chance, man. It's been feeling good, and uh, we're just keeping it rolling right now. I see what you did there, but don't celebrate. You got two more Pack 12 games. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm not celebrating too early, right? <laughs> <laughs> was there any difference, or what was the differences between Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney? Um, honestly, I felt like it was about the same. Um, Everything that uh, Jaron's been doing, um, Baylor was able to step in and uh, show that there's no fall off anywhere, no matter uh, who, who steps in. And uh, honestly, it was just fun to be able to 
show every team that we can actually swing the rock. You know, we've been we've been pounding the rock uh, down everyone's throat with Ty Algier and Lapine uh, Katoa, uh, but um, shoot, we were, were able to swing the rock a little bit more this game, and it was actually way fun. <laughs> So it takes a lot of things to make the passing game happen, but it starts with the O-line. I thought that protection was outstanding. Romney had forever to throw the ball. Perfect pockets. I mean, it was, it was borderline seven-on-seven drill stuff. The O-line. Yeah, O-line, it obviously starts with them. And um, the past four games, um, they've been coming out and kicking butt. Um, they've been holding down the trenches and showing everyone that we got the best O-line and uh, we got the best D-line in the uh, they came out and especially Saturday, you know, protected their butts off, protected uh, Baylor and uh, let Baylor do his thing back there and let him feel comfortable. And uh, it was amazing to see when you when you feel comfortable what you can do, honestly. And the O-line just did amazing, honestly. It seems like after last year with no crowds and the team went on an incredible run, followed it up this year, you haven't lost a game. The crowds at the stadium, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, have just been incredible. Have you been able to sense that and feed off of it? Oh, my God. In Lavelle, even stepping down in Vegas, uh, feeling the crowd's energy, um, it's been unbelievable. To be, you already said it, be part of last year. Um, whether you were down at BYU or anywhere else, you could uh, playing the game and with no fans, it, it was very different. Um, but coming back this year and having a full stadium and uh, being able not to hear your coaches yell at you when you make mistakes—it's—it's <laughs> it's the beauty. It's the beauty of the game that we need. We miss. We miss not having the fans there, and uh, it, it's so fun having them there. So you've had three home games, and that game in Vegas felt like a home game. Uh, this could be a little different. You go into Utah State. You haven't you haven't done that in your career, and there's a lot of Cougar fans in the Cache Valley, so there'll be some Cougar fans of the game, but that also fires up Aggie fans. Cougar fans disgust them. You are about to hear it. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm excited for this game, actually. I've never got to play Utah State um I know I made a couple comments earlier in this year, and I'd like to take back, <laughs> but we're definitely focusing and locking on to this uh, to this game and uh, not taking this game uh, lightly at all. I mean, shoot, the three and one team right now—they've been having a hell of a season. So uh, it's only right to come and take these guys seriously and give them uh, give them a good competition. How hard is it for you guys not to get caught up in that? Your four and zero national ranking and all that stuff. Oh, it's definitely hard, um, you know, letting letting my emotions run high, but not too high. Um, you know, what I, I always try to say, uh, tell the teammates, never let the highs, uh, never ride the highs too high and never ride the lows too low. And uh, right now we're, we're doing really good, but we got to keep our heads on straight and focus and act like we're an 0-4 team right now and uh, still come and work our butts off every day and come show them that, you know, we're not taking any team lightly. Well, then everybody ought to follow Baylor Romney because his post game for a guy who threw for 305 yards and three touchdowns, that was as low-key as a quarterback can possibly be. Is that just how he is, or did he have to consciously dial it back in the uh, postgame session there? Um, that's how he is. Um, <laughs> he He's always ready to play. Um, he's always been part of the team. Um even when uh, they called out the starting position, uh, I know he was a bit hurt, but shoot, he was ready. He wasn't. He wasn't stepping away. He wasn't um, um, blocking the team out. He was ready, still ready to go. Uh, 
ready when Jaren went down, and uh, he came out and balled out, honestly, and uh, it was just perfect to show uh, that the next man's got to be ready to play. So since he played well, does BYU have a quarterback controversy? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm leaving that to Kalani. Honestly, I love all the quarterbacks. I love them all. So whenever the coach decides, I'm, I'm ready to rock with it. <laughs> Wide receivers know where their bread is buttered, right? I love yeah. all the quarterbacks. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I love all of them. Yeah, but if you have Baylor, then he's going to favor his brother, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, shoot, they had that money connection. I'm not even mad. And shoot, they're leading, a victory. they're leading the team to victory. I can't even be mad about it, man. It, it looked good on Saturday. They were connecting. I mean, it, it's a family business out here at BYU, and it, they, they just came and proved it that, that that's true. So you've had all these uh, late-night games. <clears throat> it's just been one uh, 8.30 kickoff after another, it seems like. Does that leave much time during the day to watch other games, maybe watch some of your future opponents, or have they kept you pretty busy and you haven't seen much? Um, it gives us a lot of time to actually watch games and uh, you know just relax and uh, try to get your mind right for the game, pick up little details before the game of watching film. Um, 8.30 is a – it creates a long day for game day, honestly, but uh, it, it's nice. Me and Puka just uh, – do our thing. Uh, we share. Uh, we, we're roommates, so me and Puga honestly always get brownies from our mom. So we're up there in our room, snacking our brownies, watching our film together, going over plays. So uh, it, it's a bit nice having a long day, and then it, it, it's a bit too much having a long day. I feel like. Do you have any friends at Utah State's team? Uh, yes, one of my old friends from uh, actually Utah, Devonte uh, Henry Cole. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, so he's up there a little bit. Um, and that's about, oh, Kyle Van Leeuwen, too. Um, he's one of the receivers up there. Yeah. He's a big he's a big baller. So I got a couple guys up there, actually. Samson Nakua joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, obviously, the Utes had a, another tragedy. This is twice in nine months now. I don't know how well you knew Aaron or if you've reached out to any teammates uh, since the news broke. Um, yeah. Um, I remember hearing something about it earlier in the night after our game. And um, I remember calling a couple of teammates right after I heard something. And uh, no one was able to answer me. And um, the next morning, um, I got a call from one of my good boys, Avante Davis, and um, yeah, just uh, it's just sad to hear, honestly. Um, Ayla was, Aaron Lowe was such a, he honestly reminded me a lot of me, um, just smiling always, um, such positive energy, um, making sure everyone was happy and okay, um, taking care of everyone. From the first time him coming onto campus, he was just just a bright smile and such a good soul. And uh, it, it's just really hard to hear. And uh, it's just sad. Um, the kid has such a bright future. I know working to get it, uh, he was so close to getting his degree. Um, yeah, it, it's it's crazy, man. It, it really is just so crazy. So you obviously played receiver. He was a defensive back. Just generally speaking, not uh, specifically to any individual. How much can you get to know guys who are on the other side of the ball and you're not with them all the time as you would be your fellow receivers and maybe your offensive guys? 
Um, it's pretty easy. Um, I mean, this is a team sport. Um, you're not just sticking with your offense. Um, luckily, we got special teams where we're able to uh, mix the two groups where you got offense and defense, and uh, they're able to play on the same uh, on the same side of the ball at points. And so, it's very important to get to know your teammates because, uh, I mean, we're family, honestly, and um, even our family families. Uh, even our brothers' families are family still, so, so like we we definitely are here for their family because we feel it just like they feel it. And um, I mean, you got to get to know everyone. You know, it's just so important. I feel like uh, everyone. I feel like on both sides of BYU and Utah are my brothers, and I do anything for them. And um, I don't know. It's just important to know your whole team. So you transfer in, you got to learn, I mean, 85 scholarship guys, walk-on guys, all the coaches, the GAs. How long did it take to get everybody down? I mean, to, to just know oh, who everybody is. For, yeah, it took me the whole summer for sure. And still trying to learn the GAs. You know, there's still so many uh, so many people in this whole process of getting to learn with the trainers, the coaches, uh, even the players. It, it's a lot, but it definitely took me most of the summer to get to know everybody. <laughs> So we've seen Kalani dance after victories and as the game's winding down. Have you ever seen Kyle Whittingham dance? I have not, honestly. I have <laughs> never seen him. I know he got to move. I remember during the practices, I think he would, uh, he'd over, he'd be over there, his uh, little golfing, uh, he had a little putting, putting spot out there in the practices. I've seen him uh, hit a little dance move, but he keeps it to himself. He don't want to let anyone see him dance. <laughs> So we've seen uh, we've seen guys dancing and singing after the youth win games. You know the routine, singing in the locker room and all that. Uh, does BYU have something like that? Uh, yeah, you come into our locker room after we uh, we've been meeting, uh, letting Kalani say a few words to us, and then Kalani puts on the music on the loudspeaker, and he's the first one usually joining the circle and you know start hitting his dance moves, and then. He pushed A-Rod in there, Coach Lamb. Uh, he's been throwing a lot of the coaches in there to start getting them dancing, uh, letting everyone feel the joy of all the coaches. Uh, it's been fun, honestly. It's been wild. <laughs> so who can boogie the best? A-Rod cannot. <laughs> Coach A-Rod cannot dance. So he's off. Uh, Lamb's not bad either. Um uh, I would honestly give it to Coach Kalani Sadaki. <laughs> like, honestly, he's probably our best dancer. And he's still got a lot to work on. <laughs> uh, All right, so you're really easy on the quarterbacks, but you're a little harder on the coaches. That's what I've learned here this morning. But the coaches aren't throwing you the ball. A hundred percent. All right, Samson, we will leave it right there. We appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning. Good luck in Logan, and we will talk to you again next week. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, joining us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Good times in Provo, man. 4-0, baby. One-third of the way through the schedule. There is a lot of football left to be played. But they're also getting a lot of praise, and there really aren't that many teams making it to 4-0. So I get why uh, it'd be easy for it to go to your head, you know, ride the wave and Get too high. Uh, I don't know about being easy. 
If you're not aware of the moment, you can do whatever you want, but when it comes time to be aware of the moment, that's that's what you need. I just don't see in, in the ball game that you're 4-0. If anything, that to me, that uses motive, that serves as motivation to get to 5-0 and in order to force you to concentrate even more, not to be fat and happy and to think you're all that. I don't, I don't see that. Because um, it's not like they've been blowing out anybody. No, it looked like they had a chance to blow South Florida out, and then South Florida had all those long drives and got back in the game. Yeah, defensively, uh, the second half was not good. I don't know how else you would spin that. Uh, the quarterback for them, for uh, South Florida, was the kid uh, McCain, was that his name? I mean, he looked really, really good. Exciting for a youngster. I think he's just a freshman, so that's really cool for them. Uh, but... Uh, defensively, there's stuff to work at, and they got some injury issues too. You know, you talk about the depth and all, but you know, your first game without Keenan Peely did not go as well as the other games did. And this was supposed to be the weakest of the competition. So make of that what you want. Uh, doesn't seem like that there's a consistency there. That uh, you know, you can talk about depth, but do you have anybody the caliber of Peely to play? Because he goes out. And the defense wasn't nearly as good. Offensively, it was good to see them unleash it a little bit. I think that I think to an extent, I assume they're going to go with Hall and, and Romney himself said you shouldn't lose your job to injury. So, which I never bought. I think you, if somebody comes in and is better, I mean Tom Brady got his job because of injury sixty-two years ago, and he hasn't given it up since. So, and there was a guy uh, for the Yankees. What was his name? Garrick. <laughs> and get his job for injury, or was it just a day off? Uh, either way. Uh, and Wally Pipp probably is grateful because otherwise he would have never been remembered. Now he's Wally Pipp. Everybody knows who Wally Pipp is, right? <laughs> otherwise, he'd just be some, yeah. some dude who played baseball a long time ago. So I never bought that myself. If somebody comes in and gets a chance and is better, and clearly the passing game was better, I think he's a better passer than Hall so far and what we've seen. Uh but, you know, at the same time, Hall's 3-0, and so I mean, that's what it's about. It's about winning games. You can have all the stats in the world you want, and it's about winning games. But Romney, at least they took more shots, and they completed more balls downfield. What does that mean? Was it the weakest defense of the yeah, four that they played? The you, can go, you can go back yeah. and forth on that all day long, and that's for them to decide. But it's good to know you've got somebody, and they knew that too. We talked about it last week that uh, Romney was going to start. We don't want to report on injuries because they don't want to – they don't want you to report on that, and I respect that. Uh, and we'll see what happens when uh, Kalani speaks, and as the week progresses, as far as that goes. But uh, I, I don't see being four and zero and ranked. What are they? Did they move up to thirteen? Yeah, was that what thirteen. The yeah. AP poll. I don't. I, I don't see where that's a negative. To me, if anything, that's a motivation to keep it going and to be even more focused. Because right now, you're getting in an in-state rival. And they acknowledge it. It is. You know, it's not the number one rival, but it's right there. It's, a, it's in a nice number two. And they've had some good games. And you know, especially after Utah State, just tripping all over themselves uh, Saturday morning and early afternoon, that they ought to have a level of being fired up because they have a lot to, to play for, too. So very much looking forward to this game again, as we were last week's games. Utah State needs a bounce-back game, that's for sure. After all the momentum they had in the first three games, that one was just a big old disappointment. And We will talk with Blake Anderson coming up at 9.30 this morning. The Aggie head coach will join us. And for for BYU, you know, the guys have been in the program, the coaching staff's been there, so the the recent history of the Aggies, they didn't play last year, obviously, but before that, they'd split six games. So 
there's been plenty of uh, ups and downs in this. So I, I guess going back and watching the film with the new coaching staff and so many new players and not even played last year, that's pretty pointless. But you still know the competition level and the passion and their guys who've been to Logan and how fired up everybody's going to be. Oh, yeah, Friday night, Logan, BYU coming to town. You guaranteed to sell out? BYU sells out wherever they go in this state. That's a lock. National television Friday. Not, uh, I don't know, there may be some other games on. I haven't looked at the schedule, but that's going to be a premier game. Yeah, I, I view this all as something as a, to serve as a motivation for the Cougars. Especially for them because they don't have a restart. You know, we're 0-0 and all this stuff. In a sense, no games are conference, literally, but also in a sense, every game is conference. Because what does... That's the only number you're going to have. Yeah. 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 You don't get a chance to say, oh, yeah, but we went 7-2, and 8-1 and one after a slow start or what have you. It doesn't apply for them for this year and for next year. Grateful for 2023 that they have that opportunity to get that reset because I think it's... It's what it's about. Play for your conference title, especially because you know you have no shot to, to get into anything else. A cold that's known as the playoff. I don't think anyway. But if you get in the Big Twelve and do that, and maybe you do. But for now, that doesn't that's irrelevant. And for now, it's about winning every single game that you could possibly get, as many as you possibly can get. And this team's on a roll now. Uh, I'm just glad that Baylor won, moved into the top twenty-five. Give the Cougars another shot at a ranked team. That's fun. Virginia, what a Wake Forest smoked them, didn't they? Virginia got buried. Yeah. 37 to 17. Yeah. So, and SC was just an absolute mess. So, right now, anyway, on the calendar, Baylor looks like the biggest opponent. Yeah. And Boise. I thought Boise played very well. Boise, to me, Boise is still Boise until I see otherwise. And right now, I have no reason to think otherwise because I can make a strong statement that Bachmeyer is the best quarterback they'll play all season. If Slovis is going to turn the ball over four times, it's going to strengthen your argument oh, right there. I don't there. even know if he'll be playing by the time you get there. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah Jazz Media Day today. It's going to start at 8 o'clock, so we yeah. hope to have some interviews for you as they do all the Zooms. It's content day. It is content day. You just day. told us. He just came in. About 25 minutes ago, he said, it's not media day, it's content day. And then he says, it's media day. I can't keep track of him. Commit to the bit. Come on, DJ. Yeah, you said content day, and then you just said media day. Make up your mind. You told us it's not media day, it's content day. Coming up next, what is trending? And then media content day, content media day, content day, media day, whatever. Jazz are talking at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The newest member of the Utah Jazz broadcast team, Holly Rowe. I don't know everything about the team yet, but I feel like I'm dialed in as a fan would be. We have a special and unique once-in-a-generation type of player in Donovan Mitchell. I hope people understand this kid is so special. They're putting the pieces around him. Rudy Gobert, I was watching him play in the Olympics, just marveling at the way this seven-footer can move. I think they did make some good pre-agent moves. And then the other thing I'm really excited about is a lot of these kids on the Utah Jazz right now, and I say kids because I discovered their game as they're coming up in college, and I can't wait to continue showcasing what they can do moving forward. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. 66-yard field goal try for Justin Tucker. It would be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good! Stafford alone in the shotgun against a four-man rush. He stands in and deals. Right side, cut of the five. Cooper Cup diving for the pylon. He got it! Touchdown, L.A. For the second time today and the fifth time this season, Cooper Cup puts it in the paint. Kick to the upright, and it is good! It is good! It is good! Mason Crosby has done it again! 51-yard walk-off field goal to win it for the Packers. 51-yard walk-off. Great. Show me your 66-yard walk-off. 51 was pretty big, though. Don't Packers try, improved to 2-1. and one. Don't try a 68-yarder, though. There are limits. On field goals, to me, too many field goals. Field goals deciding games. Just don't do it for me. You get three chances per game. That's it. You get three field goal chances mm-hmm. per game? Yeah, I don't like to see games decided by field goals. Okay. I, I'm with you, but I like the, it's an intriguing idea. Yeah, so you get three. Isn't that what the Packers discretion? did? They would have fit inside your rule with their game winner. They didn't miss one, did they? No, they didn't. They, made, they, well, they didn't miss three. one or not. It doesn't matter. Right, so they attempted three then. They're inside your limit. They beat the Niners 30-28. to 28. I think it would add more excitement to the game. Aaron Rodgers beats the Northern California team that passed on in the draft. Make them pay years later. Even and then the people turned give over. them a couple more timeouts if you need it. Bump them up to four or five. Look at you just messing with the rules. Like the NFL hasn't done that a time or two. <laughs> right? Five undefeated teams left. One of the teams that is uh, knocked from the ranks of the unbeaten, Tom Brady and the Bucks. They lose to the Rams. Matthew Stafford. Four total touchdowns in the victory. A 34-24 win. The Rams 3-0. And the Cardinals stay right with them, rallying in the second half to get the win. Jacksonville had that 109-yard return. That was cool, but they couldn't make it stand up. The other unbeatens, the Raiders and the Broncos. The Raiders needed all 70 minutes right to the end of overtime. That was a lot of field goals not doing it for you in overtime. There were three field goals in 10 minutes in that overtime. So he traded them with Miami. Good comeback for Miami, though. They were down 11 there and uh, needed the two scores and the two-point conversion. Made it happen. The margin of victory is always in the NFL. Super slim. Any other games uh, jump out at you? No, none. None? Tonight, it is the Cowboys... And the Eagles and the NFC East, which was a terrible division last year and didn't have anybody with a winning record. And whoever wins this game will be 2-1. and one. It'll be the only team in the division with a winning record after three weeks. Lael Collins is suspended, the right tackle for Dallas, and this is a new one. He is suspended for trying to bribe the league's drug test collector. 
Players cannot be suspended for multiple uh, positive marijuana tests under the NFL's collective bargaining agreement, but Collins has missed multiple tests, seven in all, and now he's keeps trying to bribe the test collector. His lawyer is currently attempting to appeal an arbitrator's decision to suspend Collins for five games, but he'll be out tonight. Who? Lael Collins. <laughs> That's a long way to go for somebody never heard of. Multi-time Pro Bowl tackle. Uh, Pro Bowl tackle. Pro Bowl. I mean, who doesn't make the Pro Bowl? You got 100 guys that aren't even eligible for the Pro Bowl because they're playing in the Super Bowl. The Pro Bowl. If there's anything dumber than the Pro Bowl, I don't know what is. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid left Arrowhead Stadium was transported to a local hospital. After feeling ill following Sunday's game against the Chargers, he was treated for dehydration. He's expected to be fine, according to reports. Well, that's good. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Well, the Utes open Pac-12 play with a 24-13 win over Washington State. They score twice in the last five minutes. Fumbled seven times, lost three of them. There are many things to say about that, but that game and all the storylines by that game were dwarfed by the news that Aaron Lowe was killed in the shooting house party early Sunday morning. Just a couple miles, three miles from campus. Well, yeah, I got nothing for you on that, but I'm here to talk sports. Uh, That's the ultimate tragedy. Uh, As far as the game goes, I got uh, good news and bad news. I mean, that was a bad game they played. I can't spin it any other way. You're down, you're, you're against a backup quarterback, uh, arguably the best running back in the conference went out in Borgie. Yep. And you barely beat him. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is South Division sucks. <laughs> well, whatever tipped you off to that fact, PK? <laughs> the games. <laughs> and so with that in mind, I like their chances as well as anybody's to win the South Division. Figure six and three, seven and two certainly, maybe six and three. These teams don't look like they can put anything together up and down, week to week. Nobody's shown anything yet. Well, seven and two is far more common, so uh, they've, they've got an excellent chance. I mean, my power rankings right now are UC Los Angeles number one, three teams tied for five, and two teams tied for six. <laughs> That's it, huh? Yeah. I like it. That's a big gap. That makes UCLA sound dominant. They're not. I know. We've watched them. They're not That dominant. could change any given week. It's just my, my point is the, the division isn't very good. Uh, I thought that was the, the caliber of watching those two teams play Saturday. That were, to me, that looked like two bad Mountain West teams. There were enough mistakes, man. I'm not going to argue with you. There were mistakes all over the place. But... Penalties, turnovers, near turnovers, saved from turnovers by replay review. You win the division, it's really all that matters. And th- their chances are pretty good. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Aggies lose to Boise State 27-3, the final. Utah State falls to 3-1 and one on the year. Utah State defense... Thought was pretty good in that game, but the offense, what happened? That looked completely different. Couldn't connect on any of the big plays. Did have some drives and some opportunities, and then something always went wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever seen a team get 315 yards of offense and zero points in one half. 
I mean, you're on pace, obviously, to have an outstanding game offensively, but you had literally nothing to show for it on the scoreboard. That was stunning to me. Absolutely stunning. I'm sure it was to Blake Anderson, too. Missing kicks, turnovers, ill-advised passes, ball thrown up for grabs at the goal line. It was a weird deal. Never got untracked. But yet, no, they, they did get on track. They never got in the end zone. That's the thing is they got 300 yards in one half. Is outstanding. Couldn't even kick field goals. We'll talk with Blake Anderson coming up at 930. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Baylor Romney airs it out. The Cougars build a huge lead. And then USF holds the ball on long touchdown drives. 19 plays, 94 yards, almost 10 minutes. Almost 10 minutes off the clock. I thought that first drive of the third quarter was going to be the long drive of that game when they used half of the third quarter to score. But they never had the ball with a chance to tie. They got within eight, but BYU didn't let them have the ball back. They were out of timeout, so. But the passing game, unleashed. USF falls to one and three. Not a great team. But another win for BYU. Yeah, USFF, USF, we're not going to be paying attention to them the rest of the way. That's what happens when you get these independent schedules. You get them in town or you go there, and as soon as the game's over, all right, see you later. Uh, at least with Baylor this year, it'll be a little bit different since they've got them down the road. Uh, looking forward to that in 2023 and see what the schedules are at that point. Um, but they did what they needed to do. They won the ball game. I don't know that you're going to play your best every game. I think they they realized that you know they were better. It's, it's the way I viewed uh, I viewed Oregon and Arizona that way Saturday night. It's a little bit of uh, Oregon kind of going through the motions a little bit there. They knew they had it. Oh, it looks close. Well, let's go make sure we have it. Yeah, lead got in that game got down to five, but you were right though about Peely and you know just the ability to get off the field. There's so many third and threes and third and fours were converted. And they had so many more guys hurt. Now maybe all those guys will be back. Maybe some of them will be back for the Utah State game. But it does bring up questions as the uh, as the injuries inevitably mount as the season goes on. Right. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. The big games in college football this weekend. Ninth-ranked Clemson, beaten for a second time. No Clemson in the playoff then, right, PK? We've never had a two-loss team in, even if they come back and win the ACC title, which I don't know that anyone is really convinced they're going to do that. They are really struggling well, to somebody score. Somebody has to. Somebody has to, but they are really struggling to score. Yeah, ooh, Ungulele. I mean, I thought you were all that, man. How do you throw for 400 yards against Notre Dame last year and then suck? Now, there's other guys. I mean, his offensive lines. ETNN isn't there uh, running the ball. So, who knows? Uh, I don't follow Clemson that close, but it's not that I root against Clemson because I don't, but it's almost to the point of having to be refreshing to know that it won't be literally the same teams. And I have nothing against Clemson. But it's good to mix it up. So, Ohio State losing once and Clemson losing twice before we get to October. That's what I'm talking about. Mix it up. Exactly. I mean, I have nothing against them. I don't root against them whatsoever, but it's just that it's been a... What, a monopoly, I guess you could say, 
And so they have a fresh face if we should get that fresh face in there. And it will probably be some other blue blood Georgia. I was going to say, if Notre Dame and Georgia replace Ohio State and Clemson, that's not that big a change. It's a change. Right. Just not that big. It is something different. Notre Dame did look good blowing out Wisconsin 41-13. Notre Dame's got Cincinnati coming up this week. So that's that's a big game. Yep. UCLA beats Stanford. UCLA's got ASU this week, right? This is they can put another win together. Yeah, I have them number one. Very good. They've got them uh, in Pasadena, yeah. Yep. And Oregon State winning at USC for the first time in more than 60 years. So, Oh, they dominated. There it is. Forced the four turnovers, threw the ball all over the field. Looked good. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. So the NBA gets underway. Camp's opening. There'll be a few people missing. Andrew Wiggins' request for a vaccination exemption was turned down by the NBA. The Wizards will open training camp without Rui Hachimura, who's away for personal reasons. Devin Booker is going to miss the start of the Suns camp. Health and safety protocols. The team will provide no further updates until he is cleared. Jazz content day, a.k.a. media day. Starts at 8 a.m. We'll have interviews for players as they come available. Don't have a rock-solid schedule for that. Justin Zanuck, GM, is expected to talk sometime around 9.45. Quinn Snyder, uh, 1-1.30 this afternoon, probably during Scotty and Han's final hour. And then players as they're wow, available that's between it. Now, now and after then. Today? Their final hour? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the final hour of today's show. I say the last wow, hour DJ, of the show. <laughs> DJ just firing folks on a Monday. <laughs> the final hour. You can take it how you'd like. <laughs> well, it sounds so just gloomy and definitive. Oh, the my God. final hour. <laughs> They will they, go home to their families. This? Have you met with them yet? They will go home to their families. <laughs> I don't think it'll be all gloomy. <laughs> Although maybe in Scotty's case it will, because he's pretty upset with his son going after the Yankees. That was uh, that didn't go over well. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 16 in a row. Are they peaking too early? No. Cardinals with a six-game lead with a week to go. They're going to be the visiting team in the wild card game. It's just are they going to L.A. or San Francisco? Giants up two. Both teams won yesterday. Giants again. Four in the ninth. We might lose. Nah. Let's get a three-run homer. Yeah. I mean, they, they, everything they've touched this year has turned to gold. Uh, 16 in a row in baseball is so dang hard. With the pitching and the variances therein, wow, that's really, really impressive. And I would imagine that they would lose a couple this week, uh, relax guys and whatnot, get them ready. When's that going to be? Is that next Monday, next Tuesday? When's that playoff game? I don't know. I know I think it's next usually, week. I still remember. Well, they're usually day. offset by a day, so I don't know who's yeah, going first. Tuesday, Wednesday? I don't know which Give it a day for travel. Yeah. And leave, they leave a hole in the schedule in case they need a tiebreaker, which they probably won't this year. They could, though. They might need one in the AL wild card or in the NL East. Those races are still, still pretty tight. Yankees beat the Red Sox, so they've got a one-game lead now in the race for home field in the wild card. And the Red Sox have the second spot, would be the visitor their game in front of Toronto. So plenty of drama there in the final week. Bees play their final home game of the season tonight, 635. They host Sacramento. Get your tickets at SLBs.com or listen beginning at 620 here on The Zone. Hashtag RSL. Well, if you're going to push up the field and pressure high, try to be good at it. 
Portland opening up RSL and drilling them 6-1. to One, one counterattack goal after another. Ooh, look at you, man. Just dropping the soccer lingo. Holy cow. It's cold in the studio. I just let a shot of warmth go through me. <laughs> Listen to you, man. I mean, I've never put my toe in the dirt. I like it, toe in the dirt. <laughs> A.K.A. hand in the your dirt. Boots. <laughs> yeah. Your boots. T.K. boots. Your boots. Yeah, I didn't drop boots. That's very English. So, RSL had a chance to catch Portland and the LA Galaxy, vault to fourth, but they don't do it. Portland does it. They get the win. The Galaxy lose again. They're winless in their last seven, coming to play RSL Wednesday night. They lost in Austin. Got shut out. 2-0. There's a little more soccer talk for you. See if RSL can bounce back Wednesday night. They played the same way they did against, or the same, they did not play the same way. Let's start that again. But they played theoretically the same way they did against Seattle, except Seattle, they did it well, and poorly they did it poorly. So instead of the win, they get blown out. DJ and PK. Golf. 19 to 9. It's a blowout at Whistling Straits, PK. Took a 3 1 lead Friday morning. Doubled it to 6-2, tripled it to 9-3, and just kept rolling. No drama there. Worst ever loss for Team Europe. Sure, yeah. So They meet again in Italy in 2023. See you then. Tony Finau has stories now. He's been part of a Ryder Cup, and he's been part of a Ryder Cup win. Basically, Europe's winning about two-thirds of these deals. So... Not no more. Oh, the U.S. is now taking two of the last New three. breed. Yeah. Young guys. I mean, you know that this matters. You got Rory McIlroy getting choked up, swearing. Yeah. And you got two bitter adversaries. Not DJ and PK. Bryson and Brooks hugging it out. Yeah, we'll put that aside for now. We wanted to play together. <laughs> it's all good when you win. And they won big, 19-9. All right, that is what is trending. Brought to you, of course, by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Blake Anderson, Aggie head coach at 930. We will hear from the Jazz over the course of the next two hours as they become available as training camp opens. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. This story is crazy about becoming an ultimate Aggie, which apparently is getting up on that bull naked. What bull is it? Is it the one that's by the Estes Center? Isn't that bull like bucking? I'm just wondering how five nude men could fit on that. <laughs> it's a big bull. Five nude men could fit on I, that? Five smaller men, yeah, probably <laughs> could make that work. There you go. That's the size of the thing right there. Okay, it's not bucking. You could probably fit upwards of ten naked men on that. So in order for you to be the ultimate Aggie, you have to be naked? Yes. I did not know that this was a thing. See, I would think if you were going to be an ultimate Aggie, that it needs to be solo. Because these five were not solo. And that's where a lot of guys up at Utah State are like, hey, let's maybe <laughs> dial that down a little bit. <laughs> Easy. One ultimate Aggie at a time. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Football Fridays presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com.
Time for the question of the day. Utah and BYU beat bad teams, and Boise State rolls over Utah State. What are your thoughts? Hot Takes or Tales brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to lose your hair. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment, or visit www.utahairmd.com. Your thoughts. Robert says BYU's defense had me concerned. Allowed way too many yards and points. A win is a win. Yeah, same thing for Utah. I mean, they didn't look good winning that game. They should have rolled. That's a bad Washington State team. And you've got a backup quarterback who just not that good. That's why he transferred in the first place. If he was that good, he would have stayed there. No transfer outside of Troy Aikman has ever been good. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) But that game was there for the taking. You're there in the red zone. Put it in the end zone. Take the lead. Crowd goes nuts. You have momentum. You're driving again. Just one mistake after another. And they played without Sam Borgie. He's really, really good. And he he had the yards. He looked like he was on his way to a good day. For sure he was, yeah. Because he's good. Yeah. And then he goes down, and you still struggle to beat him. The good thing is you beat him, and you got time off. You're going to need it now. I don't know what this the death of the young man is going to do. I have no idea. I can't speak to that whatsoever. I don't, I don't, I don't know how that will have any effect, to what way. I'm not uh, trained in that area to even begin to speak, so I won't. Fortunately, they have a week off, and they're going to have to play the schedule here in, what, 12 days against SC. SC looked like hot garbage. They Messed up. They weren't even competitive. They scored late to get within 42-27. Yeah. It was actually worse earlier in the game. Right, so they're and nothing. Oregon State was going through that defense. Hot knife through butter. They were blowing assignments. Guys were running down the field wide open. Yeah. So surely the Utes can beat them. But well, they can. They can beat them. <laughs> okay, surely they can. You're That's right. That's what I said. Yep. You're right. They can beat them. There's no doubt in my mind they can beat them. Lots of teams can beat this USC team if they're going to play like they played against Oregon State. Most definitely. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And that I have, if for no other reason that the division stinks, I have confidence that the Utes can win it. And if you win it three out of four, and last year being the one that you didn't, that's awfully impressive because who cares about last year? DJ and PK, more of your feedback on the games this weekend. We'll do that next. We're monitoring the Jazz. Uh, the veterans, the stars, seem to be getting the uh, the later times, the later tea times. We already had Derek Alston, but, well, you know. I would. Is he in relation to Rafer Alston? Famous Alston, so let's go. Walter. Boom. That's all I got Winner. for you. Good job. Uh, yeah, right now, Jazz. Well, the, the veterans are getting they're getting taped up. You you can't get injured on content day. DJ and PK, it's ninety seven five at twelve eighty the zone. DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Jazz content day, aka media day, continues. Starting with. Camp invitees and two-way guys. So We've had Derek Alston Jr. and Justin James. We've not heard from the, uh, the stars as of yet. No. First question I have 
for Jordan Clarkson is you go to a lot of jazz games this year. Yeah, pretty much all of them. We go how many? Yeah, a lot. Total deadpan. <laughs> His delivery was so perfect. That's what that. made the thing. The gal's a news gal. How she supposed to know she's not from here? I don't have any problem with her. It was Clarkson going, yeah, a lot. That was hysterical. Absolutely hysterical. <laughs> and Joe Ingalls tweeting that at him with multiple laughing, crying well, emojis. It was funny as all get out. It was. But if we've learned anything, Jordan Clarkson can be funny. He was asked Joe- a question, he gave an answer. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Question of the morning, Utah BYU be bad teams. Boise State rolls over Utah State. What are your thoughts? Scotty says Utah has real problems and they go beyond turnovers. Real problems, not fake problems. Real problems. He does not list what the problems are. I think the defense looked better, but you got to put a big old asterisk by that because I'm not sure they would have looked better if Max Borgie had stayed in the game. Six carries for 42 yards, seven yards a pop. That could have been a problem over the course of a game if he'd been healthy. I was trending, yeah. But he went out, and they did not run the ball well after that. So the defense ends up looking pretty good, only giving up 13 points. Yeah, and a backup quarterback. But a backup quarterback and no Borgie. So, I mean, you held him to 13, that's good. But what would have happened if Borgie had stayed in? Passing game, <clears throat> maybe he lists that as a problem. They threw for 137 yards, 13 of 23. Well, sure, you can list that just about any game, any year. The passing game. The throw game. It rarely is good. Once they got the pleasure of the running game got going. Yeah, that's why the passing game doesn't need to be good. It just needs to be effective. It's never going... Kyle's used the word efficient. You can't say never because you get behind in a game and you're going to need to make plays. But it's not the strength of their team. Right. But if the defense and the running game are on, it has to be, and Kyle goes to... The efficiency stats all the time. That's what Fine. he wants out of it. I want it to be effective, and whatever effective looks like has a legitimate threat. I mean, these guys, Enos caught a pass, celebrated, sure. I mean, you don't know. You may go another three weeks without catching a <laughs> ball. So you ought to celebrate. It's just not the strength of their program. Hasn't been. Doesn't look like it's going to be this year. Gabe says a win is a win. Can't overlook anyone in college football. You can get beaten on any given week. Minnesota learned that the hard way as a 30-point favorite. Never throw back a college football win. There aren't that many games. You name the sport. Why would you throw back a win? That didn't make any sense. Scott says a win is a win, but none of the teams looked all that great. Underwhelmed after a day of watching college football. Well, the locals, yeah, I don't, I don't think they did. David says Utah State was exposed for who they are. Who are they? Utah looked awful. Only reason they won is Washington State is way worse. They can't tackle, they can't pass, they can't block, they barely can run. Lots of work to do. BYU's in trouble on defense with all of the injuries. Somewhat on offense, but they're deeper there. USF isn't that good. No. They took care of business in the manner that Utah, they look better. Uh, I think they have better offensive players than Utah does. Certainly they throw the ball better. 
But the first half looked good all the oh, way I think around. They run the ball better too. Yeah. 28-6 <laughs> at halftime. They looked good all the way around. And I'm sure there was a little bit of letting up. I mean, it's 21 nothing after three possessions. Yeah. Sometimes it just comes too easy, and so you have natural forms. Of is that when downs. you tweet? Was it twenty-one nothing when you tweeted out that's uh, this is a typical P five versus G five game? Just trying to have fun. Yeah, I'm not. Twitter to me is nothing but a couple of one liners here and there. So, and BYU is a P five now. Not yet. Yes, no, they are. Oh, really? This is it, huh? They're taken. Now, I would use the example, when Honey said yes, mm-hmm. if she started dating, you would have been ticked. Wait hey. a second. You're taken. Hey. You were engaged. Engaged is means you're, there's a commitment there. BYU has a commitment. They're in. It's a long-term courtship, which ironically is the exact opposite that happens with most BYU students. It's a whammer and a bammer, and you get married six weeks later. Am I right? <laughs> Yuck, could you get a better <laughs> poker face? Pa 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 poker face. Hey, here's the problem. I'm going to get a text from a buddy of mine who is going to say PK is dead on with that because this guy literally did get engaged within three weeks. Yeah. Best friends from high school. Right, and then six weeks later, there you are. You book the reception center or the cultural hall, and away you go. If it's good weather, maybe somebody's backyard. You sure we can't have you talk to two of my very good friends? Oh, I've been around. I know you people. <laughs> some, of, some of my best friends are you people. I've come to have great affection for you people. 28 years of asking yeah. your wife, what time do we need to be there? How long do we have to stay? So that's the way it is. But they're going to have a long courtship. <laughs> Ironically enough. Too long. I wish it was next season. I don't want to wait. I want to get this thing going. Get I want conference games for for the Cougars. Because that's the fun. I, conference games are just fun. I mean, even Utah did not play well. But they won the game. They're 1-0. and zero. That's really ultimately all that matters. I mean, I, yes, they're going to have to get better. But I don't think they're going to have to get substantially better. Because... The level of competition that they're playing is not substantially better. Week one, the North had a shocker. And we were like, wow, the North isn't very good. Now you sit here a few weeks later, like, "Mm, South isn't very good either. Oregon looks like they're good. After that, it's an open question. But somebody has to win, and someone's going to have a decent record. So why not be you? It can be you. Might as well be you as somebody else. Yeah. Right now, the Bruins look like the top dog just based on they have the two best wins in the South, LSU and Stanford. There it is. Right. No one really, unless I'm missing somebody, no one in the South has any good wins outside of those two. Yeah, what is the third best win in the South? (laughs) It gets a little bleak. I would say Jackson Dart looking as impressive as he did against Washington State, but now he's out. He's hurt and he's yeah. out. Yeah, so right, and there you got two teams. I firmly believe coaches won't be there. The staffs won't be there. SC and ASU. Not really going out on a limb there. I think we're all with you. Yeah, and you can't fire Fisher Durrell. 
They're just barely getting started. Yeah. That would be a, a absolute travesty to let those guys go. Uh, and Kyle's not going anywhere. So there's no reason why they don't go 4-1 and one in the South. I think the cliche we're looking for is it's wide open. I mean, just their South record, which isn't the exclusivity of determining the first-place winner in the South. But as I look at this, there is absolutely no reason the Utes are not 4-1 and one in the South. Tell me, who strikes fear in you? <laughs> if Even if I give you the Bruins, fine. And they're, I still have the Fresno game in my mind. I, if they had won that game, we would say for sure they'd be the prohibitive favorite. But they didn't, so there's some vulnerability there. But they now bounced back and went to Stanford and won. That's a very nice win. Uh, partic- you, you win a conference road game. You talk about don't go giving back wins in college football. Well, certainly not a road win by any stretch. Nope. Not that Stanford is the lion's den or however you want to phrase it, but they got the they got the thing done. And speaking of efficient and effective, DTR was, although he went out late with an injury. I'm not sure how that goes into next week. And I, th- I think we'll have a little bit more of a, a flavor uh, feel this time next week. Because right now, you see Los Angeles and the Devils looks like the biggest intra-division game that uh, in the South, anyway. Because I, I've been saying all along, Arizona and Colorado, I think whoever wins that game very well could be their only conference win, with the other team not winning a singular game. Do they both get to play Washington State? Because that would be their next best shot right now. I cannot tell you off yeah. the top of my head. So, this thing is right there for Utah. They, they should be, they should have a lot of confidence. They got to get better. There's no question about that. Obviously, I believe that they will. They got to. I, I was going to say they got to get past this tragedy, but I don't know how you get past it. They just got to deal with it, uh, and they got to. I assume there'll be some f- service this week, and they'll we'll have the Ty Jordan thing all over again. I mean, this is crazy. Twice in nine months. Yeah. Almost yeah. to the day. It's just outrageous, yeah. I mean, you know, death is something that is not pleasant. But when a young person dies, it, especially in this is my two-bit psychology, especially if you're a young person. So one of your peers dies. I was a kid. My best friend died at, when I was 11 years old. And it's like the first any form of grappling with death. There was an electrocution. He was on my baseball team and blah, blah, blah. His name was Mark. His uh, older brother uh, later died at uh, 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. That's a side, light, side note because we were living back there, obviously, in the area. Uh so that I mean, just dealing with that at age eleven, and then we had somebody in high school who was in a car crash, and just when you're younger, trying to get your hands around that, it's difficult at any age, most likely, uh, but even younger. So I don't know how that's going to affect the team. I'm not even going to try to analyze it because it's so far out of my league. Brutal news to wake up to. And and see that. And I guess talking to Samson Nakua, uh, some of the guys having an idea before they went to sleep. 
Oh yeah, things yeah uh, yeah things things get around so quick now these days yeah. with uh, all forms of communication. People texting all the players are in each other's phones. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The group text or whatever goes out, and and uh, actually all the confirmation came on social media long before the the school issued any official statement. But there were so many players on social media, you knew they right. they knew right they knew what was going on. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. Yak is monitoring Jazz Media Day. But Elijah, the bigger names are getting the later times. Elijah Hughes just left the podium, so we'll keep you updated. How about the building? Uh, I don't think he's left the building yet. Because that sounds cooler. It does sound cool. <laughs> but I think, there's, but I think there's a lot of stations to rotate through. There's it's hashtag of, content day, so there's a lot right. to do. Well, they do the, the media thing that's the traditional thing, but they got all the photos, all the GIFs you're going to see created and all say, that. Go, go make your GIFs over yeah, there. Yeah, all that's happening today. Now, he says GIFs, and you said GIFs. Yeah, I think it's uh, what tomato, it? tomato, tomato, whatever you like. The original creator says he intended it to be pronounced like the peanut butter, but does not mind either way. <laughs> the peanut butter, Jiffy peanut butter, Jiff. You know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the peanut butter. Blake Anderson, Aggie head coach, coming up at nine thirty. More of your feedback on the way. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. This story is crazy about becoming an ultimate Aggie, which apparently is getting up on that bull naked. What bull is it? Is it the one that's by the Estes Center? Isn't that bull like bucking? I'm just wondering how five nude men could fit on that. <laughs> it's a big bull. Five nude men could fit on uh, that? Five smaller men, yeah, probably <laughs> can make that work. There you go. That's the size of the thing right there. Okay, it's not bucking. You could probably fit upwards of ten naked men on that. So in order for you to be the ultimate Aggie, you have to be naked? Yes. I did not know that this was a thing. See, I would think if you were going to be an ultimate Aggie, that it needs to be solo. Because these five were not solo. And that's where a lot of guys up at Utah State are like, hey, let's maybe <laughs> dial that down a little bit. <laughs> Easy. One ultimate Aggie at a time. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah and BYU pick up wins. They beat a couple of bad teams. Boise State rolls over Utah State. What are your thoughts a third of the way through the college football regular season? Can you believe we're a third of the way through the regular season already? I can. They only play 12 games, so it doesn't take that long to get there. John says it's too early to call anyone a bad team. I disagree, Sean. Week one, we can I think start Arizona calling is a bad team. <laughs> Week one, we can start calling teams. If bad you lose teams. to NAU and you're at Arizona, you're a bad team, and your program has lost what 14, 15 games in a row. You're a bad team. Oh, they've moved past that now, haven't they? Wasn't it twelve? It was 12 so it's sixteen now, right? Yeah. Okay. Sixteen well, but, but, straight losses. Right. But you're talking now. He said it's too early. So I went back a few. Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't representative of the literal streak now. But we were talking, saying a couple of weeks ago, if it's too early now, then it was too early two weeks ago. And I disagree. It is something that you can figure out. And and Washington State's not good. I mean, they got drilled by SC. A freshman put, put 45 on them. 
And you have a Utah. You only put 13 or 16. What was it? 17? 24, was but seven came from the defense yeah. on the pick six at the end of That's the game. That's what I meant. Yeah, that last one. Yeah. I'm, so not, the I'm offense, not counting that last one. Yeah, the offense got 17. 17 points. Yeah. I mean, come on. And you're freshman. And freshman from your backyard. Yeah. That's <laughs> not a good look. So? <laughs> I can cheerlead all you want. That's not a good look. <laughs> I mean, he just dominated them after he got you know, a little exposure there. And he was playing on a bum knee that now had surgery on it. That's not a good look. But the best look is 1-0. Kevin says, agree with Pat. Who calls you Pat? Uh, Kevin. (laughs) That's about it. Dave says BYU will be 6-0 when they head to Waco. Neither Boise State or Utah State impressed me. My wife does when she gets mad at me. Oh, really? Yeah. You're yeah. PK when she's in a decent mood, but yeah. Pat in a sour mood? Yeah. The 16-year-old has totally picked up on that. And sometimes she'll drop a Pat to uh, reference making being pretending to be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> she's hilarious. <laughs> but nobody, nobody in the fam ever did. <laughs> Uh, and they're going to Waco at six and zero. Now they're going to Waco for that that other thing. Ladies go to Waco, Chip to, and Joanna yeah, Gaines to do that stuff. I learned about this over the summer. My wife filled me in on this. Yeah, so they're going to Waco for the ball game, or they're going to do that other thing that women go to, which is crazy. But I've I know of women and their daughters going to Waco for this thing. Have you heard of that? No, Magnolia Lane. Yeah, you haven't. No. My wife Tell me all about it. My wife filled me in over the summer. It's There's the latest. Two, Chip and Joanna Gaines, apparently yeah. like major house renovation yeah. design gurus. They've made a career out of it. And, and you, go down you have to go to Waco. Yeah. They're based out of Waco. Yes, yes, they do it. Yeah, so, so is it like Parade of Homes here? That was another thing I couldn't No, 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 no. This is, no. this is a whole other thing. Like You go down there, see all these designs, so... Yeah, Baylor football. Right, but it's like Parade of Homes. So, like, do they have a bunch of homes there? So no. you go through and no. see all these. You just go into it's this just like place. This design center. To do oh, that. it's a design center. Okay. Kind of deal, yeah. And females so are flocking to it. Okay, yep. that's that's the kind of thing I stay away from that, like you stay away from Broadway shows. Winners, uh, uh, they're nothing. The, the mothers and their adult daughters, they're going down there. True story. And they're spending a week in Waco. <laughs> it's a fact. Yes, I know of multiples who've done it. Move aside Branch Davidians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what they're doing there. So Waco, forget about you, Baylor football. You fly Baylor Houston or Dallas and drive? How does that work? Yeah. So Waco sits actually like almost center between Austin and Dallas. So you can yeah. find oh, it's between way. Austin and Dallas. It's an hour Houston and 20 from like yeah. both, I guess. And you head on over. It's the latest thing. It's a craze, man. It's crazy. That would be cool if they're 6-0 and going into Baylor. I'd love to see it. Better storylines for us. Looks like I'd love to see the Utes go down uh, in uh, 12 days and beat the Trojans. They're 2-0, and man. At that point, they're looking pretty good. And they got a legit shot. Because don't, I don't really know who they lose to. At the same time, if they don't get better, they could lose to three or four teams. I was going to say, they could lose to anybody. No, I can't yet, lose to anybody. They're not losing yet, to Arizona and Colorado. They won't lose to Arizona. I totally agree on that. And Colorado 
just really can't score. They have no so offense. If the Utes, even I mean, seventeen's a, a low number, but if the Utes get to seventeen, they ought to win the game. Yeah, but if you're going to turn the ball over, you can lose to anybody. That would be the thing. Is, the way know, I look yes. at it, they're already three and zero in the counting your chickens before they hatch. In the case of those two games, well, they lose both of the, or either any of the <sighs> in the, either of those games. I would be shocked. Those teams look bad. Those teams should not be winning. Yeah, and Arizona is already on its third quarterback. They're now going with the UCF kid, not CFSF. I always get those two confused. The kid who was there and transferred over. Uh, and they've already gone through Cruz and Plummer. Now they're down to, what's it, McLeod? Jordan McLeod. Yeah. And if they had a fourth one, he'd probably be getting loose in the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> He's throwing up in the bullpen. It's a great Jerry Colemanism from my youth. Yeah. He's throwing up in the bullpen. Throwing, comma. Warming up. Pause. Up in the bullpen. <laughs> Don't run those together. Not a visual we need. So, and I'm not going to make a proclamation on Fish. He just needs time. How about this one? Paul Edmonds tweets at us, I'm not convinced USF is a bad team. If that's what you need to do to (laughs) justify that performance, go ahead. Now, And I would put a little bit on getting a big lead and relaxing to an extent. Because even though they made a game of it to an extent, I felt like it was BYU's. They were they had it under control. Well, that's because they the Bulls never had the ball with a chance to tie or go ahead. They finally got it down to eight, and that was nice. Didn't get the ball back. I was very impressed with that young quarterback, though. For them, absolutely. I mean, there's no two no things. Pushing. He's got a promising future. When you tell me there's a lot of you know mobile quarterbacks slash running quarterbacks out there, two things you don't expect out of a freshman when he starts running. His eyes are up, and he's still looking downfield. He made a lot of throws. He didn't just, okay, I'm under pressure. The first or second guy is in there, so I'm taking off. There's no panic. I've seen that a million times. Yeah. No panic. Stays behind the line of scrimmage. Still looking downfield for a receiver. He hit guys while scrambling multiple times. And when he does take off, not only did he run well, but he got out of bounds and avoided the yeah. hit. And that's another thing. They're, you're used to being the biggest, fastest guy in high school, so you don't mind the hits and you run people over. Well, you shouldn't be doing that in college. For a freshman, wow. Yes, absolutely. Tip of the cap to him. But I'll USF, follow him from a distance just to see how good he can be in a couple yeah. years. USF is a bad team, though, and the number one reason is that's a bad defense. They've played NC State, Florida, and BYU, and in those three games they're giving up 41 points a game. They're not stopping anybody. Yeah, yeah, I got it. They are not stopping anybody. It was actually fun to see that quarterback come in here, travel all this way yeah. to play the national powerhouse that is known as BYU. <laughs> okay, now you're just trying to rip people up. I'm not trying to. What, what am I? They won 11 to 12 last year, and they're 4 0. If it was Ohio State, we would say that's a powerhouse. So why would I not say the same thing for the Cougars? Because of the way you. They won 15 your and 16. And I'm sit cold. Back in your chair. I'm trying to keep my hands okay. warm. It's now freaking that I, freezing in here all the time. It is super cold. It's, it's worse ridiculous. Today. I, I'm contacting the Better Business Bureau or OSHA <laughs> or something because these are unsafe conditions to be so freaking cold in here. That's why my arms are folded. I'm, I need gloves. S Squirrels at Squirreling Around says, I watch those games. I'm glad to move on from last week. Three games, 30 good minutes of football. 
So you're talking the first half for the, the Cougars? The first half of the Cougars, yeah. And I suppose for the Utes, you could say the last uh, five to ten minutes. I mean, they, they scored two touchdowns in the last five minutes. But even when they did, it wasn't like, oh, they're playing good football. It's like, finally! How did you guys not score three or four more touchdowns along the way? Well, there was certain uh, a certain perverse pleasure in watching Utah State and Washington State move the ball in the first half, and then how are they going to screw it up? Because until Borgie went out, the Cougars were moving the ball. They were. It's just what was Guarantano going to do to screw it up? And you had the same type of thing with the Aggies. They were moving the ball, and they've they've got a fun offense. Yeah, with those receivers, and obviously Tompkins leading the way, and and Bonner, I, I give him credit. He's willing to take shots, and obviously that pass he threw at the end zone there uh, was ill advised. He kind of chucked it up, but in a sense, I'd rather have that than just conservative. To not throw an interception. They make a big deal that Jaden Daniels has not thrown many interceptions. Well, he hadn't thrown many completions either. (laughs) You know, and it got into Travis Wilson's head a little bit. Don't throw interceptions. All right. And then meaning going to throw a completion because you can, if, if your whole goal is to not throw an interception, you can succeed at that. And so I give Bonner credit in terms of trying to make a play. I'd, I'd, you don't want to die to that, and any one play probably isn't going to make the difference literally in winning and losing. So I, it was a bad throw, but I love the fact that he's trying to make a play, trying to make something happen. That's good. Brian says ugly wins are still wins. Looking forward to a fun game in Logan on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, once you're 4-0 now, and we don't know this, but arguably you got past the the toughest stretch. Maybe you didn't, but I don't see where BYU has a stretch of tough games. The schedule sets up. They've got big games, but, you know, every week, three or four weeks in a row. Well, as we learned, their final two games of the season have interim coaches because Georgia Southern just fired their coach. And they USC did. And already is in transition. Which was shocking to me that Georgia Southern I'm did sure that. it was. <laughs> Newsflash, I hadn't penciled in for a win before. You probably should have. Oh, they Southern could have had coaches. Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells. And it wasn't going to make a difference. Uh, so, Yeah. The fact that they are where they are adds all sorts of luster. So in that way, it doesn't really matter who they play because they're trying to build on it. Can you get to the top 10 this year? And this year is viewed as a far more legitimate season, all things considered, than last year. I just love the fact that BYU, as it continues to win, it shuts up all those whiners who were complaining about the schedule. I find... Great satisfaction in that. For, for their sakes, yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, I personally don't care, but yeah, I enjoy but it, it. But 
But we heard so much from people, you morons, you don't realize the schedule, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, we do realize the schedule. I didn't realize it. But look, <laughs> I, I, I didn't figure it, it out until like to February. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't occur to anyone who's yelling at us, look at all the NFL people and what they think of all the BYU players. They're good. When you have that many NFL guys, you're no, a good team. It didn't hit me. I'd say right away. I think President's Day weekend, I had time to reflect. Oh, that's when it really after the Super Bowl. Yeah, because yeah, okay. I was so, tr- you know, can Brady do it again? The, the Marvel at his age and Giselle all and these teams Gronk. And, and I always liked Arians when he was down in Arizona. So I was really focused on my long-term fandom with the Buccaneers. So around President's Day, I sat back. I reflected. I went to the mountaintop. It was a little cold up there. Kind of like our studio. Yeah, So, but I'm used to it. That's the one thing is the studio's hardened me for 40 degrees. And then I came back down. So I think that Tuesday after I said, man, BYU really had an easy schedule. Because it hadn't dawned on me until then. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yak, is anybody from the top eight or nine in the rotation spoken yet? Nope, Eric Pascal just finished up, so we'll keep you updated. He's looking forward to being with a new team and getting a fresh start. His advice apparently was told to him is turn those mid-range jumpers into threes. Well, three-point field goals made. (laughs) I mean, Jerry Sloan. We I got, want FGMs. We got three point takers. <laughs> we need some three point makers. That'd be interesting to see what he could do because he had that nice rookie season uh, when they were uh, just looking for guys, and then round two didn't go as well. NBA all rookie, yeah. Uh, so what do we got here? It's worth a fly. If you don't have anything, well, what really did you lose? I mean, didn't lose anything, but if you got something. You know, they can add to the team. Very intriguing, that young player. Not sure what it's all about. 4-0, hashtag BeatUSU at How About This Jazz just tweeted at us. My mom and sisters just went to Magnolia at David DJ James. It's a big thing. I told you. It's the mother and her adult children, her adult daughter, or daughters in this case. They're going down there. DJ, trust me, I t- it was like a two-hour indoctrination this yeah. summer when my wife told yeah. me about it. I've two heard hours? About you it. had to spend two hours talking about oh, it? Oh, I was just beside Well, it's a myself. give and take, you know what I mean? <sighs> a little bit. <sighs> You're giving... You know, <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd better react, because otherwise... <laughs> well, the it's just... That was it's all a, he required. It's a game we play. If you want dinner, you got to pay attention. <laughs> I think we'll leave the analogies right there. For more trouble. Yak, are you blushing? Well, that was just funny. All right. DJ and PK, Yak will continue to look for rotation players. Jazz Media Day continues on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The newest member of the Utah Jazz broadcast team, Holly Rowe. I don't know everything about the team yet, but I feel like I'm dialed in as a fan would be. We have a special and unique once-in-a-generation type of player in Donovan Mitchell. I hope people understand this kid is so special. They're putting the pieces around him. Rudy Gobert, I was watching him play in the Olympics, just marveling at the way this seven-footer can move. I think they did make some good pre-agent moves. And then the other thing I'm really excited about is a lot of these kids on the Utah Jazz right now, and I say kids because I just 
cover their game as they're coming up in college, and I can't wait to continue showcasing what they can do moving forward. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Really? 66-yard field goal try for Justin Tucker. It will be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Oh, crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good! There's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450, and you can win fabulous prizes on the big show. Getting your reaction to a weekend of college football, a little <clears throat> underwhelming. Now the locals did go two and one. Well, if you're part of that too, then if you're, you're Utah and BYU, that. you got the W. Utah State did not. Pelman says, "Just win, baby." Doesn't care what they look like. No style points. Late in the year, I'd agree with you, but early in the year. How often can you win when you fumble the ball away? Well, you fumble the ball seven times and lose three of them. And had another one. Replay helped you out there. Inconclusive. They'll let the call stand. I think you can do it against lousier competition. Right? I think they can do it against Colorado and Arizona. Obviously, you don't want to do it. But it's not going to work against UCLA. And I wouldn't think it in the South it would against it would get the Devils or the Trojans. I mean, they're good enough. Although both of them are mediocre. But they're good enough. The thing about the Devils, the Devils to me look like they've always been. They're probably going to win seven games, get an easy opponent, get on a bowl, win eight. Uh, but on any given, if they put it together... You know, like they did a couple years ago against Oregon and that shocking upset. They put it together that day, so you never know. Uh, and you don't want to tempt fate. But I don't think the Utes are going to do that again. I think that they got that out of their system. Now he'll just scream at them and, and tell them <laughs> that this is an acceptable, blah, blah, blah. So and I, they know it's unacceptable. I do think they'll they've get been that playing, cleaned up. They've been playing football long enough. They know it's unacceptable. Right. So it, in a sense, if you're going to have that, best to have it in a game that's uh, winnable, which is what exactly happened, and they won the ball game. Steven says, during that 19-play drive by USF, either BYU was playing fourth stringers, or ESPN announcers are using USF's roster in error. When USF got to first and goal, BYU reinserted those who started, and it took USF four plays to score. So they scored. They did. So four and a score. Different, but I see what you did there. Yeah, I'm not going to draw season-long conclusions off of any individual game. So I get his point. I may have a greater cause for concern if this happens or that happens, but to stretch it across the entire uh, eight games remaining, no, nah, not going to do that. There's still two months to go in a season. Plenty of things can happen. Yeah. But I'm not going to just blow it off. Just remember, plenty of things can happen for better or for worse. So, yes, they took their foot off the gas. I do buy that. It was 28-6. They were coming 
nowhere near getting pressure on the quarterback. Not even remotely. Well, how many it defenders up front did they have out? Clean Three? pocket. They were down two going into the game, and yeah. they had two of them go down yeah. in game. But those two did come back. That went in down in game. So at twenty eight six, knowing you're going to score more, you're feeling very comfortable. And at there's something to be said to uh, allowing the other team to eat as much clock as they did. Because if they're taking 10 minutes to score, well, that's 10 fewer minutes in the game. I was going to say, how many times can they score? Yeah. And you didn't give up the big plays. Now, you didn't get off the field. You had a bunch of third and twos and third and fours and all that stuff. And you didn't get off the field. And a mobile quarterback was a problem. But as Elisa Tuiaki told us once, well, mobile quarterbacks are problems for most people. Everybody wants a 42-6 to win. Sure, I get it. But, you know, it didn't happen. And that young fellow there playing quarterback sure showed him, showed us some stuff. At least he did for me. I found him very entertaining to watch. And I couldn't come away more impressed, especially when you factor in he's a freshman. You're not alone. And I don't know jack about him. And I'm just really, this is like the first time I'm watching. I mean, I saw the stats and all going into the game, but I hadn't seen him play at all. And I'm, I'm getting an opportunity to watch him play. Uh, so let's give some credit to the other team, too. And the circumstances are what they are. And I just don't think you can expect these guys to play at fever pitch, you know, all twelve games, every play of every of uh, every game, uh, get the win. I, I feel the same way with the Utes. I was underwhelmed, but what does that underwhelmment mean in twelve days? It doesn't mean anything. Okay, but haven't we seen enough BYU football now that you're a little bit worried about them as a second half team? I mean, they start fast, they jump second out in half front of, of the everybody. Season or second half of the game? second half of games. Okay. In the second half of every game, the opponent has come back to one degree or another. Now, nobody's come back to win the game. I'll take that all 12. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> and credit to the Cougars because they start well. They've jumped out in front in every game. This is not a slow-starting team. That's fu- because they finally put in a great passing quarterback. What well, they, took you so long? They didn't start slow with the other quarterback either. I mean, they don't start slow. They're 4 for 4 with good starts. Jumping out in front of people. Yeah, getting, but getting, getting two score passes to your brother. I mean, they're all brothers, but these guys are brothers. And what better opportunity than to see Mr. and Mrs. Romney 47 yeah. times. I wonder how long it would take. It would take three hours. <laughs> I mean, Mrs. Romney, you know, God bless her. She's no Lisa Wilson. That was coming inevitably, <laughs> no doubt in my mind. So They seemed really quite reserved. <laughs> yes, which is what I prefer. But Lisa, you know, I can handle Lisa. She's okay in her own way. Because she's she's been eccentric. I, I, know, I know people who've gone to her classes down at the treehouse for years, and they've told me about her. So now to get her national exposure. Just maybe clean up the language a little bit on the Instagram. Kids are looking at this. Hey, she and Rory McIlroy. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, but Rory apologized. He did, actually, right at the end. <laughs> it was about a, about a minute. Early on, Rawr! no, it was then, fine. Then at the end, no, sorry about that. One S word, and he's talking about himself. Yeah, where he doesn't care about personal honors and accomplishments and blah blah blah. Yeah, nobody even bat an eyelash when he said, "Isn't like, okay." 
I mean, come on. You you listen to rap music. All the time. Yeah. Meek Mill? Or is it Mill Meek? What is it? It's Meek Mill. <laughs> you DJ, hear all that stuff. DJ's more of a Chance the Rapper guy, I think. Better not like Chance the Rapper. It's not like Chance the Grocer. Why do we need the rapper? It's just Chance the Rapper. I don't understand it. Actually, I had an intern named Chance at Channel 2 once. Right, but we're not talking about music. You know, Chance the Big League Pitcher? Where does that end? DJ, the soccer aficionado. Have we gotten any jazz rotation players yet? Or have we made it through the first hour of Jazz uh, Media Day without uh, any of the top eight or nine guys? Is Doak considered a rotation player? No, we don't know yet. Not yet. Not yet, at least. Uh, I'll text Don. He's the most recent that's gone, so there you go. We'll get Don on here. We're five players in so far. I'll give, I'll give, I don't know if Don will answer, but I'll text him. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Yuck, you got the zoom up? I am monitoring it as we speak. All right. Tracking to see if any of the Jazz Rotation guys come to speak to the media. Yeah, and if they do, we'll go to with them. training camp opening, they're off to Vegas Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We will uh, drop in if Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Joe yeah. Ingles, Mike Conley, whoever. They just announced... Additions and promotions to the team's basketball operations staff. Who'd they hire? Well, in bold, in the first paragraph, they got nine uh, names. In the second paragraph, got about 13, 14 names. Jake Lindsay is going to be the coordinator of college scouting. That's Dennis's son, isn't he? Yep. Former Baylor player. Yeah. Former Olympus Titan. Go Titans. Former AAU <laughs> Sonic Busters. <laughs> Sonic <laughs> Busters? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I was told there's a great basketball player at the American Fork High School. Jackson Kohler. Some big redheaded guy told me that the other day. Yeah, how was our dear friend? His name would be Britton Johnson. Spent some time. We went out to lunch with him the other day. <laughs> it's a funny story. He would know about American Fork basketball. Yeah. So we played nine holes, and then we went out to eat, right? Yeah, got, grabbed some lunch afterward. And uh, uh, he, told, he told me that he got a call from some business guy in the community and he said, uh, yeah, what, what's going on today? Oh, I'm going to play golf. Oh, yeah, we play. So I'm going to play golf with them, um, play nine holes with PK. PK? I thought you guys hated each other. <laughs> he said he just roared when the guy said that. He loves when people think that uh, we're bitter enemies. <laughs> when we're actually friends. <laughs> Just because you give each other a hard time. (laughs) And we see each other uh, socially a few times a year. (laughs) I love hanging out with Britton. He's such a cool dude. And they paired us up. We hooked up uh, like the third hole. And the guy, you know, you look at him when I was way tall. I said, yeah, he played in the NBA. But Britton hates it when you tell him people that. He wants to be so low-key about that. Other people can't tell you enough about their athletic accomplishments. True story. He 
doesn't want them publicized whatsoever. He's no, not happening. And he's got some shoulder issues, so he can't hit the ball very far. But he got ticked on one hole. And so the next hole he gets up there and he was still, adrenaline was firing up. And he swung. Well, he needs surgery. And he says it hurts to swing if he really swings. But he really swung. And he drove it about 50 yards past me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can't do that every time. So, anyway, they got a bunch of guys here. Ladies and guys that they have promoted and moved, uh, hired, and all that stuff as they're gearing up. It's an exciting time for the Jazz, you know, because this is the first full season in two years because they're playing 82 games, and now it's the first full season of the new ownership because it was midway through last season, right? I don't know how much you want to rock the boat when you come in. Well, now this is... This is Ryan Smith's team. He owns it, literally, as he did before. But it just seems like this is the start. And see what he's going to do with it, with his team. And it's not just the literal team of players, but it's the entire team of the, you know, everybody in the franchise. And it is an entire team, as you see all these uh, names. Oh, you're checking it out now? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. And, and the names aren't going to mean much to people, but right. the roles kind of tell you, you know, vice president of global scouting. As opposed to, you said, Jake Lindsay, college scouting. And I wish you they have would, to find talent everywhere. And I wish they wherever. would give me, like, uh, vice president of Maui scouting. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you would accept it as a part-time job one week a year. Well, Maui Invitational, you're speaking of? <laughs> That's what you're gunning for, I know. Well, that would be one. That's your target. But they could have That's some... your goal. You never know if they have talent there. But you got to go to make sure. Right. I mean, it's right. part of scouting is seeing a lot of guys to make sure they're not the guy. Oh, yeah. It's like recruiting, you right. know? You, yeah. you see hundreds. Sure, you got to see... But a... you only offer a relative few, and then even less than that, except... So, yeah. And I, I, nobody... In this organization, has more experience at the Maui Invitational than me. Nobody. I'm not arguing. I think you went to four. You counted them up. And I'm not going to rest until I get to five. <laughs> Everyone needs a goal. That's yours. <laughs> Senior software engineer and full stack developer. Now, I can do half stack, but I don't think I can go all the way to full stack. Assistant equipment managers are some traditional jobs. Midwest scout, you know, some traditional jobs here. I don't have any ties in the Midwest, so I don't want that. I can either go East Coast, West Coast. (laughs) You need some ocean. (laughs) Director of Family Services and Basketball Administration. Who's doing that? Whitley Gutteridge. Does that mean, uh, I assume, interacting with the families? I would assume so, yes. Director of Family Services, there's also a coordinator of Family Services. Is, yeah, that, that's, that's a full-time gig. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a critical gig. Yeah. Got to keep the families, there. You, people are moving, they don't know the towns, they don't know what's going, where to go, what's available, help them smooth things out. Right. You got in the case of, uh, as Joe would say, Renee and the kids, you know, you got to, if they're going on a seven game road trip, make sure everything's good on the home front. Yeah, I can remember talking to Joe 
And when he said, you know, that I found out that uh, the Jazz wanted me, I said, well, what did you know about Utah? Nothing. Nothing. How many times have you been to Utah? Zero. <laughs> I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, I had to find a place to stay. I said, well, you don't even know the town. You've never even been to the state. I said, well, how would you figure that out? He said, oh, they gave me like seven, eight options to go check out. So they set it up on what they thought my needs would be and what would be good and all that stuff. These so, things can all possibly work, yeah. and then just what are you comfortable with? Yeah, right, right. And so then he ended up choosing, but they set up everything. Because I, I, I found that fascinating. That just You're a foreign guy. You're, you've been picked up by a team that you certainly know of, and you knew. I'm sure you knew some people, but you literally had no idea who was who. Or where was what, and, and nothing. I couldn't imagine being placed in a foreign country. Now the language is the same, fortunately, to a good degree. You know, you're speaking the same, so that that's a major hurdle. But having to figure out what to do, where to go, and it, and you don't know anybody, and you're you certainly you would need to lean on on the organization. And that's probably not going to be the last time this happens, as more and more foreign guys uh, come over. Hundred percent. Man, there's just a ton of people that they have in this list, man. This list just goes on and on. Yep. And some people with interesting backgrounds. They've got a director of basketball intelligence. Wasn't that you you kinda you intercept information from other teams? I hope so. Like that's the what, CIA? That's what I want. <laughs> I can tell I'm you this. No, this. This is oh, all I can tell no. you. That's, that's what I want it to be. It's not going to be, because wasn't it like Houston and the Cardinals? Oh, there was a big stink about that. What was I forget which the story was, but somebody had information of the other team's yeah. files. Yep. The Cardinals, like personnel director, stole their proprietary information and whatever else, and got popped for it. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't but there see, a termination? Or but something? this is classic, and it's there's always the baseball analogy. This is classic. Like you can stand on second base and look at the signals, or you can look at someone giving hand signals and break the code and figure them out. But you can't put a camera in center field. That's wrong. So basketball intelligence, certainly there's a line that can't be crossed. But at the same time, trying to figure out where free agents are going to sign and uh, who might trade up in front of you and who the teams in front of you will draft, that's all. That's been going on forever. That's 100% legit. Now, you can't hack into somebody's phone or laptop. That's the line. And you need to be aware of who's going to, like, the Jazz knew of Jews and the Joe Ingles because as soon as he got released, they scooped him up. Yep. So you need to monitor that as you get down to cut-down day to see what's going to happen. And obviously, that was a tremendous addition to the team, picking him up for free, basically. Now, obviously, they have to pay him, but it, it didn't cost them anything to acquire him, right? Because he was available, and they quickly, I don't know the situation, was there a other team? Because we know Joe had been in summer camps and summer leagues because I believe he had said that he actually played summer league with Steph Curry with the Warriors back when mm-hmm. uh, they first drafted. So, the, And maybe the Warriors probably had changed administrations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the point is, whoever was there with the Warriors had some familiarity with Joe Ingles. Who's to say that they wouldn't have acted unless it seemed like the Jazz jumped right on him? 
And while I want basketball intelligence to be about code breaking and all kinds of crazy stuff, basketball intelligence also could, without you know having Justin Zanuck explain it to us, basketball intelligence could also be tracking players all over their world, their agent and contract status, and knowing who's available and when. Yeah, There's a lot of players to track. I would like to be, though, as I look at all these titles, can I at least be vice president of the morning show? Sure. Go ahead. But I want a press release. Oh, well, talk to Scotty. Give me a minute. I can write something <laughs> up. You get to send out a tweet. Because <laughs> I've never had a title. Dateline, Salt Lake City, dash. That would be impressive. Oh, okay, because you've had titles. Junkyard dog. Well, that's self-appointed. <laughs> I know it is. I'm aware. But that's not, no one, no. I want VP. You were at the trip too early to be a senior writer. That was one you could have had. You could have been a senior. Oh, they, you, thought, they thought I sucked as a I writer. You could have been a senior college basketball writer no, at the trip. No. Let, let me let me step in here. I have your perfect title. Senior writer for 1280thezone.com. No, no. I've never been good enough. I have been told every step of the way I'm not a good enough writer. Literally every paper, which means I must suck. And now that you're writing for websites, though, they're telling you how good they are. I know you've been told how good you are. Well, if you want, you can tell me again. <laughs> <laughs> You've told me stories. There are people at the trip who picked on you. Ignored your greatness. Assigned your greatness to other people. I don't have greatness. You did have greatness, and it was no. assigned to other people. I'm a day-to-day guy. A man. spectacular headline. Segment to segment. Good work. Good work, Michael C. <laughs> uh, well, I ran into one once. whoop do you do Bulls don't want tie for Father's Day when they went back on Father's Day and they had a 3-2 lead over the Sonics. I thought it was clever. And it was clever enough that they thought there was no way it came from me. (laughs) (laughs) But you get that rep. I can understand how I have that rep. I come off as this snarly dude. We were playing golf the other day. And this guy is from Oregon, right? He's living in Oregon. Well, you know, he's talking about his dog and some other words. Finally, about the the 10th hole, my wife says, okay, buddy, there's no way you're from Oregon. He says, I'm not. She says, where are you from? He's he's 60 years old. He's lived in Oregon for 30 years. She says to him, there's no way you're from Oregon. He says, yeah, I'm not originally from Oregon. Knowing what the answer is going to be, she said, where are you from? New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) It's so... (laughs) I thought, oh, brother, here we go. And she says, points to me, he's from New Jersey. She said, the guy says, Marty was his name. He says, really? She says, yeah. Can't you tell by his his, uh, personality? Gee, sweetie, that's not very nice. You always said you could handle the truth. Still hurt? <laughs> Way to go, Mrs. K. From my future eternal companion? As you guys would say? Future, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, geez, when I get over there and then I see it all, I'm going to say, of course I believed it. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. You folks tell me you, you build those whole big buildings for time and all that stuff. So I got plenty of time. Why rush it? Good call. You know what I mean? 
You're just encouraging him. <laughs> I know. And you talk about uh, free agent signings. It's, I, I just don't think free agency makes a difference. I don't think, unless you're these glamour markets, you can make a difference between winning it all and not winning it all through free agency. How many of these free agent, big time free agents, actually move? Well, I guess it depends on where you draw the line on big time. Name me one. LeBron. Got me there. <laughs> Durant. Got me there. Those are the ones that have mattered. I remember a few years back, several years back, LaMarcus Aldridge was going to leave Portland. And it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, where is he going to sign? Well, in the end, what did it matter? Portland is still basically Portland. They're good. And They're a playoff team. And San Antonio. He went to San Antonio. Now, he was a very good player. But in order to really make a difference between winning it all and not winning it all, you've got to be extremely high level. That was my point of the question to David Locke on Friday. The list come out, and the Jazz don't have anybody in the top 20 of one of them. Then in another one, they oh, don't have anybody in the top 15. freaking list. And it is. But, but uh, the point is, if you're number three or four in the league, you may or may not be good enough to win the title. I think you know, you get to the point where, look at all the guys who got MVPs, and they probably should have gone to Jordan, but the guys were legit the second, third, or fourth best player in the league, and they didn't get the title. Now, this decade, last decade, has been a little different. It gets passed around a little more. There have been a couple super teams. I think what you need to do is you need to draft these guys, figure out ways, and do like Milwaukee did, and then you retain them. Unless you're the glamour market. Or be Toronto and roll the dice on a guy for one year. And then get a break. Yeah. Everybody gets breaks. Uh, Milwaukee got breaks. Milwaukee did, but is LeBron getting breaks? Is Durant getting breaks? They're just that good. But there's not that many. There's like one or two, three, four tops. Well, Durant went to a team that already won a title in 73 games and been to back-to-back finals. And so maybe you don't even include him, then there's one guy. If you don't include him, then there's one guy. I think... Where you get a break is LeBron decides he wants to play for you or he doesn't. I mean, he wanted to play in Miami and for Pat Riley until he didn't. And Pat Riley, in the interview he gave on... You know, when they were trying to pitch LeBron, it's like, LeBron already decided he didn't want to go there. And Riley knew it in the meeting. Fine. But I go back to what the Warriors did pre-Durant. Savvy drafting. Yeah. And savvy drafting can get the job done. That's what got them their title. Once a decade? That's good. Yeah. If you have zero, once a decade is pretty good. (laughs) It's a party. Right. That's all the Mavs have. Oh, uh, the Spurs. You could say the Spurs was savvy drafting. That would be twice in a decade then. That wasn't savvy drafting. That was just good fortune. Well, there was some of that getting. but Robinson they, and Duncan. Right, but they wouldn't have gotten at that point. Well, okay, Robinson's long gone. Now, they still have Duncan, but the other three guys were all savvy drafting, and they wouldn't have won the title without all three of those guys. You don't guys. know that. You don't know that at all. Oh, Absolutely. 
You oh, I totally disagree. You, you take those three guys off the team and you think they're still winning the title. But who are they replacing them with? You're acting like they're it's either and who are you talking about? Name the names. Quick. We gotta go to break. Name those other three guys you're well, talking about. Ginobili, mm-hmm. Parker, yeah. and Kawhi Leonard. Right. So you're acting like with Ginobili and Tony Parker that it's either those guys or low-level G League guys. Yeah, they would have replaced him with somebody like Aldridge. How'd that work? With I mean, d- good with Duncan, players, with Duncan, good, it would have it would have been really good. With Duncan on fumes at the end. I He's mean, a Duncan freaking all-time player. I totally agree. And they won, 50, point, they won 50 some games the year before, and then they sit Robinson out and they win the lottery, and Duncan happens to be sitting there. Ka-ching. Wow. The lottery balls fell their way. My goodness. Not the Celtics' way, who had two tickets to that lottery. The problem is Ron Mercer walked through the door, and we didn't want him to walk through the door. Uh oh. <laughs> All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone. Yak, we getting any closer? Is this going to be a major disappointment? Uh, well, no, we got Jay-Z. They said at 9.45. Ish. Supposedly, so we Ish. have to going. Slides 15 minutes. It'll be into the next show. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Aggie football coach, Blake Anderson, next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. This story is crazy about becoming an ultimate Aggie, which apparently is getting up on that bull naked. What bull is it? Is it the one that's by the Estes Center? Isn't that bull like bucking? I'm just wondering how five nude men could fit on that. <laughs> it's a big bull. Five nude men could fit on I, that? Five smaller men, yeah, probably <laughs> can make that work. There you go. That's the size of the thing right there. Okay, it's not bucking. You could probably fit upwards of ten naked men on that. So in order for you to be the ultimate Aggie, you have to be naked? Yes. I did not know that this was a thing. See, I would think if you were going to be an ultimate Aggie, that it needs to be solo. Because these five were not solo. And that's where a lot of guys up at Utah State are like, hey, maybe <laughs> dial that down a little bit. <laughs> Easy. One ultimate Aggie at a time. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone, scheduled to be joined by Utah State coach Blake Anderson here in a few minutes. Yak is still monitoring Jazz Media Day, content day as it's now known. If any of the rotation guys do their interviews, we'll have them for you, but it seems likely that they are, well, certainly most of them, maybe all of them, will be happening during the Hands and Scotty show. Well, as I said, those guys need the help, so let's do this. They asked me about us, <laughs> and I'll go later. Don texted you. What do you think, PK? Don? Don. <laughs> I can't call him Don. That seems too casual. We're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. No. Wait till he gets to know you. No, he's not happening. Question of the day. The local college football scene, Utah and BYU be bad teams. Boise State rolls over Utah State. What are your thoughts? And Clint says BYU's going to beat Utah State by a million. That's a lot. A little lopsided. Yeah. Can you imagine I I gave you 900,000 and I still win? (laughs) By (laughs) 100,000. Christian says BYU will beat another bad team this week, too. I'm not ready to make any pronouncements on the quality of Utah State. And I would actually lean towards the other way, that they're a good team. Because they went over Air Force? Air Force is 3-1. and one. 
Although the three wins they have are all terribly predictable. I'm not worried about Air Force's opponents. I'm looking at what Utah State has. And, you know, they faced a different uh, Washington State team early. They got that win on the road. That's nice. We know what they've done. Uh, I think they have an opportunity to have a very good season. And Boise might just roll through the division. Not so sure about the conference. I mean, I think the other division is better than their division. So far, anyway. San Diego and Fresno both have good wins. Obviously, Nevada was the pick, and they've got a good win. Yes. Yeah. They beat Cal. So it looks like they're they're the stronger. Is that four wins over the Pac-12 for those three Mountain West schools? Right. It looks like they're the stronger division to date. Remains to be seen, but that's the way we're trending. But I'm not going to throw Utah State out and say they're a bad team. Because even though they got beat by 24, was it was a 27-3? I mean, there's so many opportunities there. It was a, For them, the game was a story of squandered opportunity. Two red zone turnovers, so let's start right there. Missed field goal. Yep. Field goal got blocked, and it didn't count, and then they missed it. Jeez. All sorts of points they left out there in that first half. It was stunning. You wonder if Blake Anderson and his coaches, if they, they just kept beating their heads against the wall at halftime. It, it just That's stuff. The frustration. It's one thing to lose, but it's the one thing. Uh, they must have a bunch of sore feet because they kept repeatedly shooting themselves in them. <laughs> it's really, and it was, it, it was repeated, too. It was like it was nonstop. Get down there, up, struggle, stumble. Get down there, turn it over. Get down there, shank a field goal. They had no problem getting there. It was two different games, but over the course of six hours, the vibe was very similar. Difference is Boise State's much better than Washington State. So the Aggies didn't get away with it, whereas the Utes did. Yeah, I think Bachmar's an NFL quarterback. Starter? I don't know. Or roster guy? I don't know. Let's see. If Garner Minshew is an NFL quarterback, Bachmeyer is. And Minshew's an NFL quarterback. They need 100 NFL quarterbacks these days. Right. Everybody's got three. You got 32 teams. That's 96 quarterbacks, and they're going to be injuries. You're going to have to go down to your fourth guy at multiple clubs. So yeah. there's, there's 100 spots out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to talk Aggie football right now with Utah State's head coach, Blake Anderson. And Blake joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner, Smart Rain, is having an end-of-season sale on the irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Coach, good morning. Good morning. How we doing? We're doing all right. So I'm... Uh, I'm curious, after you watch the film and think about it, I mean, a loss is a loss, and you know you are what your record says you are on the scoreboard and all that stuff, but are you more down about the mistakes you saw, or are you more encouraged the positives you have to build off of? What are you thinking now, uh, a couple days removed from that game with the Broncos? Well, yeah, losses stink either way. I'm not big on moral victories, to be honest with you, never have been. Um, pleased with how hard the guys played pleased with the energy and passion that they played with. Uh, but honestly, just felt like we, we got out coached and outplayed. We, we, we didn't make great adjustments throughout the game. They did. Uh, you know, one indication of that is we're five of seven on third down in the first quarter, and then we're one of ten the rest of the game. The adjustments they made were better than the adjustments we made, not being able to get points in the red zone, you know, moving the ball but not getting points. 
and uh, and then even a couple opportunities defensively where we should have forced field goals and didn't. Uh, the energy and effort was great. The execution was poor uh, most of the day, and, and I thought as a staff we just didn't do a great job of making in-game adjustments. It's something we've done a really, really good job of the first three weeks. Uh, the, you can see from the, just the second half the way we were able to 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 recover defensively, recover offensively, score points, those sort of things in the first three games. We just did not have that response this week, and and everybody everybody's at fault, including me. Uh, you know, we just we got to do a better job. So yeah, what do I take from it? I felt like we were competitive with them all day physically, and that's the encouraging thing. Uh, there's not a huge huge gap. They were the most talented team we played, but we can play with them if we play the kind of ball we're capable of. We just didn't. And it showed, and, and they, they did the right things and, and got a win. We're talking about the moxie of, of Bonner. I like that he tries to make plays and you know, didn't turn out on that one. Obviously an ill-advised pass that got picked off in the corner on your side of the field. Uh, how do you deal with balance, taking opportunities, taking shots, but being smart? Yeah, that ball's got to be thrown away. And he's played enough snaps that he knows better. I've coached him for the last – five basically six years and and he's been taught all along uh when when we need to be risky and when we don't and and that that situation is clearly a throw the ball away kick the field goal you know that game should have been 10 to 9 at halftime without Mm -hmm. us scoring a single touchdown it should have been 10 to 9 we we missed the field goal we had one blocked that came out super low and then we throw an interception on the one if that game's 10 to 9 at halftime i think we all go in saying hey we're right where we need to be and just self-inflicted mistakes uh, and, and an ill-advised throw right there. That ball should have been in a 12th throw. He should have thrown it to somebody up in the stand. And he has done that most of his career. I think he was trying to do too much, and it hurt us there. And he got a butt chewing when he got to the <laughs> sideline, and he was the first one to tell me that he was wrong. And he knew it immediately when the ball came out. So Tompkins leading the nation receiving. A lot was made of that. Four catches, 60 yards. Pretty sure those were all in the first half. What did they do to – to take him away, and is it something that you're going to face a lot more the rest of the season? Yeah, I thought they made some adjustments, and, and we expected some of that. We did move him around some. We we also were for perfectly fine pushing the ball to some other guys on the field. We, we're not a you know we're not a one man show, but as I said, I thought they made good adjustments. You could see where they they bracketed and clouded some things and double covered some places that would force us to move the ball to other sp- you know areas on the field, which is not a Again, not the end of our offense. We just didn't execute some of those things very well. Uh, we we went from from moving the ball fairly, uh, you know, fairly well early on, on especially on off schedule downs to to struggling in that area a good bit late. They made good adjustments. We didn't. I, I would expect we're going to continue to see people, you know, feature him, figure out a way to make sure they know where he's at. Uh, we're going to have to do a great job of spreading the ball around and utilizing all of our other weapons, and then it's something that we. We've, we've done a good job of, but we're going to have to do better. So what's your level of concern as far as the kicking game? Uh, about the sloppiest you know, kicking game you know, uh, execution we've had, it, it's always a concern. And, and it was Saturday, and we had, uh, you know, we had some mistakes there that you just can't have. We don't feel the ball on the one-yard line on a punt. It should have, been, it should have hit the ground. We, we busted a protection on the edge, and luckily we got away with it. And, punter made a great play and um you know we uh you know the, the the punt fake was poorly executed but honestly should have got out of the play they, the the look changed right before the snap 
we love the way they lined down, and then they, they obviously saw something they didn't like and started to move. I should have called a timeout, or we should have checked out of it, and we didn't. So execution uh, was frustrating, and, and it, it uh, could have been even worse. Could have been a blocked punt. Um, you know, so we're, we're giving we're, – again, we're getting effort there. We're covering the field well, but we, we've got to make better decisions. And, and honestly, on my part, I, I should have got us out of the uh, out of the punt fake. It was – it was a calculated risk, but when the look changed late, should have burned a timeout and made sure that we weren't in a bad play, and we end up uh, in a bad play that that even got executed poorly and and really had no chance of success. So, so you got the Cougars at home Friday night. Obviously, you are new to the Cache Valley, but when I moved here, I had it explained to me. The Utah State fans really loathe all the BYU fans in Cache Valley coming out, wrecking their home field. Gives that rivalry some real extra juice. And there's all that, plus uh, BYU's 4-0 and looking pretty good. So what have you heard about BYU? What have you seen about BYU on TV? What do you think about this game coming up? Well, I'm excited about the game. Friday night game here at home. Uh, you know, we had a great crowd the other day, and as I understand it, this thing sold out, so it should be even better. Um yeah, everybody's made really clear to me since day one that I got here that 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 I gotta hate BYU. So I, I've gotten the message. I've gotten the message loud and clear. Uh, there is, uh, man. Hey, we're three and one. They're four and zero. Oh, I mean, other than us being undefeated, you couldn't ask for a whole lot more. And I don't think anybody, when you look at before the season started, I think we'd all be pretty pleased going into this game three and one. We we wanted to win them all, but we also knew that we had some really tough challenges ahead of us in year one. And, you know, kind of the, the the foundation of this thing getting built that we could have been in a lot worse shape going into this game. I, after playing Boise, even though we did not play well, but competing and and being being competitive physically in that game, I, I feel like I mean we clean up some things. We we can give these dudes everything they want on Friday night right here at home, and there is no reason why we can't win it. Now they are they are the most talented team we have faced. Uh, I said the same thing about Boise. I, I believe that now, having played them. They were the most physically talented team we would played to this point. I think it just dials it up in there the notch. But we were competitive physically in the game. If we clean up the mistakes, we can play with these guys. And this is a game that we can win. We've got to play great ball. We've got to do everything right. But we can win this game on Friday night. And, man, wouldn't that be a great, re- uh, great way to, uh, to keep the season going? Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we're looking forward to that game Friday. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck with the media next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Justin Zanuck, Jazz GM, meeting with the media. He sat down right near the end of the Blake Anderson interview, talked all the way through the break. He's still going. We're going to let you uh, listen and join in progress right now. So that's kind of where I anticipate it being more of a training camp and two weeks here in the facility. How's it, Jared? The last time we talked to you, he was just kind of doing individual stuff. Yeah, no, great. Um, you know, and I think I clarified it when we were talking about summer league, it was just more the timing of summer league rather and, and where he was coming off and part of his, uh, there were no issues fully healthy. It's just the timing of that contact, you know, wasn't, we didn't think was good for his return to play. Uh, he's been here all month, uh, contact playing five on five. He's looked great and, uh, ready to go. So he doesn't need like a season to adjust or slow down or anything. No, not at all. For several years, the, 
the basketball ops department's been kind of headed by you and Dennis and David and now with you and different people. Uh, what can you kind of tell us about, um, you know, the differences in terms of how things operate and, and in terms of the new guys who you're interacting with? Sure. Um, first of all, you know, we've operated a high level here and I've had some great teachers and mentors and in, in my life with great experience um, in the same vein, a lot of those people uh, have been doing the same thing with me for quite a while with Steven Schwartz and Bart Taylor and Marquise and Andrew Mealy, and they were ready for more. And, you know, the promotions, the titles more reflect what they've already been doing and that they were ready for this opportunity. So we're going to operate much the same way in terms of being connected to coach connected with our players uh, in a servant type of role of really trying to provide the best roster for coach, the best uh, health performance for players, uh, acquiring the best players that we can and investigating any opportunity. And, you know, this is sort of a natural evolution of this um, with how we're set up, but we're going to be, you're going to be hearing a lot of the same things and a lot of the, you know, the same processes that we have, and then always looking to, to innovate and, try to do things better as we've always done. All things considered, when you, when you look at the end of the season or when you look at, towards playoffs this coming season, uh, is there like a benchmark in your mind like that would be a failure or that would be a disappointment or this like, obviously I think a lot of the perceptions you need to make it out of the second round. Yeah. I'd like to make it all the way. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, you know, I can answer it. It's just more the first part that comes to my mind is again, 29 teams end up with a result that they were hoping would be not that one. So um, I think the commitment that all of us have made, you know, starting with Ryan and, you know, we're at, at salary levels that we, the Utah jazz have never been before. Um, we're grateful and thankful for that. And, think we've deployed that in the most efficient way possible and the best way possible. Um, we know that the type of talent that we have on this roster, the, the coaching acumen that we have and the group that uh, we've put together. And so, you know, as I said before, we embrace the expectations, you know, there, we have goals of those. I, I don't know if it's necessarily black and white where it's like, Oh, we did this so we can sit back and say, Hey, we made it out of this. Like the goal every year is to try to win it. And this group together, I think just like last year, we gave our ch ourselves chances to do that. And we're giving ourselves another chance to do that this year. And hopefully with the experience from last year and the year before that, you know, it becomes an evolution of, of finally being able to break through. Sorry. No, no. Just as a follow-up to that, I guess what encourages you, uh, what, what makes you believe that what this year gives you a better chance to go all the way than, than what you have last year? I think another year of experience, um, another year of continuity with a lot of our main players. You know, look, our off season, you know, we, you know, some people would say we, we tried to improve around the fringes. Well, the reason you try to improve around the fringes is because the core is really, really good um, and have had a high level of success and production and in past results. So taking that and trying to add a little more versatility, um, a little more depth maybe that 
to get through the regular season as we get older and need to rest some certain guys just coming off the short off season. That's just going to be a natural byproduct of the way season was set up. So just trying to get through that and give ourselves another chance to keep this window open of this group that we have together. One of the things I've heard is that having Ryan and having Dwayne around uh, gives the team kind of a different energy and kind of the off-season conversations you end up having and the team ends up having. How have you seen that kind of play out over the last few months of the off-season and, and what impact has it Yeah, really Ryan and his ownership group have been just absolutely great to work with. Um, their involvement is in in support of like, hey, how can we – how can we help? How can we help do whatever we can to help the jazz win a title? Um, whether that's from a financial standpoint, from branding standpoint, from, you know, mentorship and just being, being here, he loves being around the team. He's got so, Ryan, especially and Wayne and Ryan Sweeney. They, they have a ton of stuff going on, but um, they are not by no means absentee. They are, you know, involved and excited to be involved and great resources for me and coach uh, and our players for things that um, we want to run by them. And they're, they're obviously owners. So they own the entire team, but they're partners with us in terms of trying to help us in any way possible. So it's been great. With Milwaukee winning, I know it's been a few years since you were there. Did that feel like a process you remember kind of building to get to that point? And is that something you can carry over here? I mean, does it feel like, Hey, that was the plan all along? Look, you know, with Milwaukee, credit to them. They, they, uh, they went out and won it. And certainly, you know, if you look back in past history, it, it takes a while for teams to get together. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to go through awful disappointment for two or three years before you break. But it, there are some trends of that as teams are, you know, filling out their core and, and producing at a high level. And then, you know, each playoff series and, and year is completely different. And sometimes you – have good health and good luck. And when the moment comes, you're able to produce. And other times it just doesn't, all those things have to come together and it doesn't happen. So Milwaukee's an example, you know, the bulls before they started their run was an example, Detroit before that uh, many, many different teams, as opposed to just even golden state had to go through a couple, couple years, Oklahoma city. Um, so what we're doing is, you know, we've got foundational players in their prime and a great, supporting cast around them that are in their prime. So, and that they've been together for a while that we didn't throw all these guys together in one year and say, Hey, here's all this talent. Go figure it out. I think continuity helps. And um, certainly you see that it can happen. We always knew it can happen. We just do everything we can to have it be us. Does it feel like there's a different feeling around the league because the Toronto's and Milwaukee's and Phoenix's are having success when there aren't huge profile names? Um, I don't know. And I, I've always just kind of, this is, I'm about to start my ninth year in the league on this side. And uh, I've just felt that there's so many organizations that have gotten a lot smarter. Um, all the technology available, all the, the, the talent that is out there. Um, teams are doing a better job of just acquiring and, and team building. So what I think it is, is that from a competition competition level and the way our rules are set up that 
whatever market level or size or TV market that if you build a good team, it doesn't matter where it is. You can win without something saying, you know, excuses. Oh, I've got one arm tied behind my back because I'm in this market or anything else. I think there's many examples as you've just listed of, if you do things right, that you can win a title and multiple ones. Time for one last more. Can we have one? What's your best path? What's your path to a title this year? Um, win 16 games in the playoffs. <laughs> What's the process Sorry, of winning no, those 16? <laughs> What's the process? <laughs> what goes into the ingredients? I'm going to tell, tell you a real quick golf story, okay, with your question that you asked. So I was in, this is like five years ago, actually longer than that. It's before I joined the Jazz. Gene and I are on an island. We got a, it was really before we even had kids, and I'm playing golf. And there's a, you have to have a caddy at this place. And, you know, they're supposed to help you read the greens. Right. And so normally they say, like, okay, this one breaks left or right. And I was like, where am I supposed to hit this? I'm like 15 feet from the, the hole. He goes over, takes the flagstick, points it in the hole. That's where you're supposed <laughs> to put it. <laughs> so, so is it that I'll let simple? you ask, yes, ask the question again, if you don't want to. What, smart what, is, what are the ingredients and what goes behind your ability to win 16 games come playoff time? Health. Talent, being connected. We have absolutely everything here to give us the best chance to win. Now those things have to come together. Again, some of them are in our control. Having a great coach and staff, having great players, players with high character that care about each other and like each other, are connected, familiar with each other. It comes down to health. If we're healthy, we're good. We're really good. And we will leave it right there. Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck. If they're healthy, they're good. Real good. I agree. Quotes to live by. All right, it's a couple minutes after 10 o'clock. We're going to take a break. Hans and Scotty will come back. More Jazz Media Day. Stay with us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.